Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Dad Hats and Bowties. You already know it is XAB. It's your man, Distinguished to God. It's your boy, D-Flow. We have a crazy-ass episode this week because everybody decided they wanted to wild out. So last time you heard from us was right before the Jadakiss uh, fabulous uh, verses. So we're going to get to that in a little bit. Um, but let's start off with Pop Smoke, who dropped. An album this Friday. What is everybody's reaction Facts. review of the album so far? Um, I didn't listen. I think I think I got maybe one or two more songs to listen to. But overall, um, I would give it a solid for him and his sound and what he represented for the culture in the short amount of time that he was able to give us music and give us art. I would give him a five out of five. I think it's a dope, dope. Uh, hip hop album I think it's gonna go down As being a classic um, Within the years to come I think uh, He has a very Unique sound And you know For him to Not even Cause his path For a lot of you guys Who don't know He originally was not Supposed to be a rapper For those who know He was not This was not his path His path His path was supposed To be a ball player And he got into some trouble He got into some trouble And He wasn't able to do that No more um, where he was doing it. I think he was doing it somewhere in Philly. Um, and one day he was in the studio with his mans. His mans went to sleep, apparently, I guess during the session or after the session was over. Pop decided to fuck around, go in the booth, started rapping. I guess his mans must have overheard. It was like, yo, that shit sound pretty good. One thing led to another. There, there you have it. Pop Smoke became a rapper. And the rest is uh, history. And unfortunately, he wasn't able to... Um, do as much things as he possibly and would have done if he was still here. So, again, R.I.P. to Pop Smoke. Um, and, uh, yeah, thank you for this great body of work. Um, I think he would have been, you know, if he was still here, I probably would have been like, you know, his immediate competition would have been a Roddy Rich, Da Baby, which are featured on the album, um, among others, you know, the Migos, um, 50, and a few other people. He, de- he, he definitely... He definitely had a lot of talent, man. And it's just unfortunate that his life was robbed from him. Um, Success breeds enemies. Success breeds enemies. Especially at a young age. I mean, he was was young, living his life. Of course, when you're on that high track and you're going to the pinnacle and going to the top, you're going to have a lot of people looking at you and envious and stuff like that. And it's... Unfortunate. I definitely feel like the album uh, was 
there was a lot of care and preparation put into that album. I think mm-hmm. most of the features were really, really good, solid, on point. Two features with Quavo, like you said, the baby, um, Roddy, Roddy Rich, Rich, and then you had um, Rowdy on there. Um, you had a lot of lot of good features for that. Sound. You also had the you you also had the Spanish feature. I think her name was Carla or something like that. I know her name starts with a K. She had a Spanish joint on there with him. Yeah, which which gave which gave me a fabulous and a Meek Mill vibe. That's the vibe that record. It's gave. a New York vibe because that's that that's that Bronx, you know, that Bronx. Sound. Yeah, 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 yeah. That that record is fire. That record was fire. And I'm happy because yeah. I kind of understood some of the fucking words because I'm learning Spanish. So I was like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I heard the album. This I, I listened to it uh, uh, a good chunk of it on Friday. It's, it's Carol G. Carol G, not Carla. Carol. Carol G, okay. Carol G. Carol G. And um, honestly, bro, it's a pretty solid album. Uh, if he was still alive, God rest his soul, and was able to execute this same album, it probably would have been a lot better. Yeah. Because you could tell they were just patchworking. Right. Things. Yep. Mm-hmm. But I definitely heard that. Um. Yes. Oh. Overall, though, like, shout outs to Fifty Man. He did a he he did a great job executive producing yeah. the project, putting it together, helping it to come together. Like X said, the features are pretty solid. The beat choices are pretty dope. I'm glad that they, which goes to show you that he's not really a street rapper itself, because a lot of the he has a lot of girl songs on the project. He had so, more um, of a career than what was presented. Like, he was going to be a bigger yeah, artist a fact. than what we originally thought because with the drill sound, it was like, okay, that's a New York sound. But the album is not just like a New York project. It's a it's a nationwide. He got songs specifically for Cali. He has songs specifically right. speaking to women. Like, it was, it's definitely one of those things that it was like, oh, nah, this is... A lot of people would bump this. Like this is gonna cross cross over. Yeah. There's a couple big hits on that project, bro. Yeah. The ra- the record with him, Roddy, was it and him, 50. Roddy, and him, Roddy, and no, no, no. Is the one with him, Roddy Rich or Rowdy? It was the one. Not nah, Roddy. Yeah, that's Rich. 50s on there. It was him. It's not that song. Then it's the song with him. It's nice no, with him, little baby. Ah, and, I got you. And um. And the baby. And the yeah. baby. That record, that that record, that, that record, yeah, that, that record, record is fire. fire. That record, that shit is fire, yeah. bro. I, I listened to that joint a few times. The first time I heard, I heard it on the radio, the first time, I was like, "Oh, this shit kind of fire." I think the woo, and then when I came, the woo, home, the many men remix, kind of lit too. The many That's men remix too. is really fire, son. Goddamn. Now he has some solid. He really has fire. Shout out to I think he signed to Columbia. Shout out to Columbia. They gonna make some good money off this project because they got at least good four radio singles they got, they, on it they got, I, I, I was telling X, they got a good five singles on the project. And five is, four or five is great. That is, that is amazing. That is, I mean, that, even, yeah, that is. Even things. Snitching with Quavo and, um, who else is on that? Future. Even that song is, is a bit, is That's a, not a hit. bad song either. Yeah. I don't, it's a good project. I don't really, I don't really like, I don't really like the chorus, but I, I but I do like the song. The chorus isn't that great, but it, it's catchy enough that, you could hear that come on in the in the club, especially with six nine being out and people going wild. Uh-huh. I could I could definitely see that. Um Good record, man. The only Yeah. Good record, yeah. man. That that it it is I wouldn't necessarily consider it a classic. Um 
because you put up here is it a classic hip-hop album or not maybe not maybe off the strength of the music but off the strength of the situation i think people might hold it as a special project but i don't really consider it me personally i don't consider it like a, a classic album I, gotcha yeah i wouldn't i wouldn't put it in that realm of classic simply because it i know how that process works and we, i mean we all know how it works and there's although it was put together well it was patched together so i got if he was alive like i said it would have probably been a stronger project for us to really be like yo this is the best album coming out of new york for 2020 mm-hmm. um i think it has still has the possibility to be in that type of conversation because in even though it was patched together it still sounds really good and the content is really good so but yeah classic i i wouldn't put it in that category yet but either way bro for what he was able to accomplish in the short time frame he was signed you know he did a lot and 19 songs on the project that's not bad i will say it's funny because um 50 cents first album 50 had 19 records and 50 had two bonus records on on get richard dodron he might have did that on purpose i will say though might have it was a little I did have a few cringe moments hearing him talk about gunplay and, and you know, being aggressive and shooting people up or I forgot the pole with me in lieu of what happened in his untimely demise. Like some of those. Yeah, f- foreshadowing. Definitely yeah, foreshadowing. Some of those lyrics just don't hit the same, obviously, because he got murdered. So it just was like a little bit of a you know, cringeworthy, contradictory feeling when listening to some some parts of it especially met the many men remix even though i like it i like that song a lot probably my favorite um you know the content itself is just kind of hard sometimes because it's like damn this is how you you met your demise unfortunately um and it kind of leads into the next question which you were speaking about regarding some of these young artists and this generation of artists because they seem to be coming out for like a year or two and then passing away. Yeah, I think um I think honestly, you know, this was like a similar question that you had posed for Kanye, which we'll get to in the latter part of the show. But yeah, I think these young rappers, the people around them, the people that they're growing up with, their A and Rs, whoever's in the room making beats, the engineers, their managers, their tour and road managers. All of these people need to really ask themselves a real question. And the real question is, how many more XXXs, how many more Pop Smokes, how many more of these young, bright, gifted, vibrant artists have to die because of the lifestyle that their team and the people around them are helping them perpetuate as they become a bigger star from being a local talent to a local star in their state, to a star that's now running um, their state in terms of music and popularity, to becoming a superstar, getting recognized in multiple states, and then eventually becoming an international superstar. At what at, at what point will these people in these camps say, you know what, we need to figure out another way to help these artists stop talking about gun-on-gun violence and black-on-black violence, and this is just... Uh, 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 
uh, a wrench I'm going to throw in there and then get out of it. We can't say Black Lives Matter, y'all, if black people are killing black people. We can't say Black Lives Matter only when uh, police officers are killing black people. I'm sorry. We, 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 we are hypocrites. We are hypocrites. We, we need to slowly change this narrative. I don't think it's going to happen overnight. We need to slowly change the narrative. If you're in Atlanta or if you're in the Bay somewhere and all you know is shoot them up, fuck, fuck niggas, bitch, suck my dick, fuck you and your child, I'll shoot your baby in the head. If that's all you know and then you're about to get signed, somebody in the team has to figure out a way to introduce you to other things so that that's not all you're talking about. So by the time you get to your sophomore album, we hear less and less shoot em up music, and then by the time you get to your third and fourth, we don't hear that shit no more. Because that's, that's what's holding y'all back. That's why y'all keep getting shot and dying. If nobody hasn't said that already, nigga, we gonna say don't dad has some votes. That's why y'all getting killed. I mean, that's although I agree with what you're saying, I do think we have to also be careful not to perpetuate the narrative that has been painted for us about us. Um, because, again, with the term black on black crime, um, Crime happens in all racial groups. It's just not really presented to people in the same way. It's always black on black, but there are white people committing crime against white people every single day. So we just got to make sure that we're not perpetuating that narrative. However, that does not negate anything that you said in regards to uh, people who do live we all know that there's people out here live that lifestyle of when they see a black per another black person they're ready to run up on them um and they think that killing somebody is is going to make them gangster or give them street cred and in lieu of what's going on and in general just to better society we need to get people out of that mindset of you know, I'm going to run up on somebody and rob them and somehow that makes me a hero to a, subs a subset of people. It's, it, like you said, it's not, it's not something that can be changed overnight. It's definitely something culturally within gangs. You know, as we know, certain gangs didn't start out the way that they are now. And so the narrative and the, the content and the message has to change amongst those groups that do partake in those type of activities so that we can better society. We're going to get to it, but there was a whole bunch of shootings yeah, this, I, this Sunday, which was crazy. I, what I will say, and I, and I hear you distinguish, but none of this, that cycle of how we perceive black and black violence isn't going to change until we change our economic state. That's part of it. Yeah. And, this is just that's that's a that's a hard reality we're going to have to face drugs <clears throat> drugs and poverty creates these situations you know it doesn't matter where you go in the world not just in the united states in, in ireland the world, it's the same thing and they white it's the same thing like even when i was growing up back home you had north side south side south side is poverty so it's more violence on the south side North side is where all the rich people live is less violence. They don't have a need to do anything to each other. At the end of the day, do you, you don't think there's still drug dealers on the north side? Of course there's still drug dealers on the north side. It's just more money to circulate. But on the south side, there's not as much opportunity. So niggas 
beef back and forth over territory because a little bit of money you're trying to make on this territory another man come the money gets split you there's there's, there's so many different tangible things that happen that you don't even realize why these things trickle down to each other so within our black communities if we're poor we're impoverished the local drug dealer selling drugs on the block you're already struggling to make this money cats only buying nickel bags only buying dime bags you're already struggling to make ends meet now another dude coming your block he want to he want to sell drugs too now you now you got a problem because you're struggling trying to make and I'm not defending that I'm just showing you the cycle. No, of how I this think works. I think what you're doing is is important. We kind of stumbled onto a really good conversation. I'm gonna let you finish, but um, a, a really good mm-hmm. conversation on the details of what like what is missing in the conversation. We always we always jump on the narrative of black on black crime. Not not us particularly, but at black people as a whole. We, we ran with the, the notion of black-on-black black crime for such a long time. And then, obviously, people outside of us have. But the details of what's happening really paint that picture intricately. Because what's happening is the message is being delivered in the sense of black people are just inherently violent. Look at what they do to one another. But the details are missing when it's like, it has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with the fact that black people have been forced into poverty and culturally have been have <laughs> these things put on them and then they perpetuate that cycle. Um, but yeah, go ahead, Flo. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah, because then I was going to get to not only are we in poverty and we're struggling to meet ends meet, then you come down to the psychological, the psychological aspect of it where we feel much more safer harming each other than harming someone outside of our race. Think of it like this, and this is the best analogy I could think of. You're not going to harm your older brother, but you're going to harm your little sister. Why is that? Or Let's say it's three brothers, right? You're not going to attack your older brother, but you're going to attack your little Mm -hmm. brother. Why is that? It's the mentality of going to safer bet. You're not going to go home with your older brother because you figure your older brother's going to fuck you up, or... He has enough defense to feel like you're not going to get away with it. But you're going to harm your little two-year-old because one, they can't tell, or two, they can't defend themselves. So we're going to incite violence amongst our own community because what? It's less likely that if you hurt your black brother, you're going to get in trouble for it. You already have it in your mind. If I go fuck this white person up, I'm going to get caught. It's a higher possibility I'm going to get caught. Not only caught, I'm going to get the worst, harshest sentence the worst, the harshest penalty for it. Unfortunately. Right? You think they don't sell drugs in Beverly Hills, my nigga? There's probably more drugs being sold in Beverly Hills and uptown Manhattan, bro, than being sold in fucking Brownsville, my nigga. And this is a hardcore fact. You think the niggas in Brownsville is making as much money as these niggas making money on the Upper West Side? Hell fucking no. Not even a fraction of it. But yet Brownsville get painted. The niggas who sell drugs in Brownsville is the quickest niggas to get picked up and thrown in jail, though. We got to look at it's not just about black on black crime. It's all of the little things that make it hard to avoid it. Mm. You feel me? It's not it's not that simple. We can look and, and I'm not saying that there are knuckleheads out there. There are knuckleheads out there. But a lot of people are going through extreme stress. And we see it all the time in our work environment. A lot of these kids are going through ext- a stress level 
that me and as an adult don't even go through. Nah, it's true. A lot of them are going through some real shit, bro. And unfortunately, sometimes the only way they could get through this is through violence. They come in and they're agitated. They're hungry. They're annoyed because their parents treat them a certain way. So now you have an agitated, angry young youth there who at the snap of a finger could, could just flip and do some stupid shit. And they and they only how the and they only is. know violence. They they may have come from household where violence was the only way to communicate. It's a it's just it's a layered conversation. All all sides of it are true to some extent, but it is a much more layered conversation than surface value um, media. I would say would would paint it, um, and it's it is unfortunate. Uh, I do feel like as as our community, we are uh, in charge of what what we can do as a community. And on that aspect of things, we got to um, sensationalize different things in our music. I, like like Distinguished was saying, we got to, um, you know, Mar- get back to the Marvin Gaye type of scenario with things with music and things of that nature. And we are somewhat in control of that on that end of it. But in the in the same breath. We also have to understand that it's a deeper picture that has to be tackled, not only from just messaging and not only from saying, well, this is how black culture is, because that's not black culture. That's black culture under stress, trauma and everything else, poverty on top of it. So when you, of course, when you oppress, like like Flo said, you oppress the people, they're going to be they're, they're going to have more of a, a, a instance to do be violent do drugs, sell drugs, um, and and have psychological traumas. So, Yeah, that's a fact. And I'm, I'm going to just leave it off on this one statement, and I got this from a good friend of mine. He said, yo, think about it 200 years ago to the slave coming home from the fields who done been beat all day, been taunted all day, didn't eat good, and then he comes home, and now he got screaming kids, a wife who wants attention. And now he's already frustrated from that long ass tiring day. Now he's home. He's frustrated. And now he comes home. He does some walkie shit because he's under stress. He might beat his kids or whatever he does because now he done lost his cool. He can't do it to the slave master because if he does it to the slave master, he might die. But he could do it at home because he could control that. Now people now the slave master's like, oh, what's wrong with these people, man? They going home and they're beating up on their kids and this and that and that. But never thought about the fact that earlier that day, they were just doing the same thing. But for them, they were enforcing discipline. And you can see how the cycle winds down. Now, the child gets beat up. He's being beat up by his father now. He does the same thing to his little sister or his other friends. And the cycle just continue going down for generations upon generations upon generations and then we wonder how it's at this point now that's true another aspect of the album though um distinguish you you wanted to talk about their marketing how this this what seen well virgil put out an album cover and then 50 kind of put it out there like yo fans of pop smoke come up with something and if it's good we'll use it yeah, so brilliant. I didn't even I didn't originally realize that Virgil had did that. Yeah. Until like maybe like a day or maybe two days after. 
Um, shout out to my my good friend in Jambi. She she was the one who I was just at work. Um, I either I was probably just reading or doing some Duolingo, brushing up on my Spanish, and she sent me some album covers. Not the one that I posted. She sent me many others that she was making, and I was like, "Yo, these shits look kind of deep." I feel like some of them might go over niggas' heads, but it, it's dope. She was like, "Yeah, um, Fifty put out a competition for people to." you know, create an album cover and whoever has the best one, they'll put it for the album cover. So I'm like, oh shit, I bet. So I know you, I don't know nobody else that's doing it. Even though I told another graphic uh, design artist to to jump in it. I was like, yo, we're going to make mad noise. I'm going to make mad noise. And I'm going to go extra hard for you. And that's what the fuck we did for like the first two days of that week of last week, just going in, uh, promoting it. But what I, what I didn't like, First on Fifty Cent's page, he didn't tag none of the artists. Mm. That was number one. Other people that have done competitions have tagged artists, right? Which is a fact. So Fifty didn't do that. The second thing Fifty didn't do is that Fifty really didn't elaborate if you were selected exactly what would happen. Because I was telling my, I was telling myself, and I was telling Jambi, even if niggas don't talk money. You got to get some type of credit. Like, your name, whoever wins the album cover, they got to end up on the album as credit, credited art design by whoever did it. At least get that shit. Or they set up a situation where when it's a, like when they're doing something related to the album and the album cover, then you are among those festives or those events or Zoom conferences or whatever, whatever they do virtually to promote the album. But when it turned out that they didn't even choose nobody's shit, that was on 50's page I had a I had a real problem with that Because I felt like um, Yeah it was great that it generated You know some Like it, it was a great strategy to get people Not only to talk about Pop Smoke But talk about him in a different way Like oh he has a new project coming out We're producing new artwork for him We have this new energy around him Even though he's dead But we're trying to you know Make his name and his legacy live on So let's do it And sidebar What I did also notice is that I am friends with his brother on Facebook. Mm. Shout out to Obasi Jackson, um, who I met through a good friend of ours, Brianna Abdullah, who actually knows him more personally than we do. Um, and well, I reached out to Obasi, but I didn't get a response from him. But what I did notice is that if you go to his page, Obasi's page, Obasi wasn't feeling this whole thing to begin with. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what that's about, so I can't speak on it. But what I will say is that I wasn't the only one feeling the way I was feeling. Because his own flesh and blood was feeling some type of way. Which I'm pretty sure at that point, in regards to his brother's album, he had no control over that. No control over that. And he probably was not involved in no conversations. And Obasi is the older brother. Pop Smoke's older brother? Yes. I mean, I don't... I, he would have to have some form of musical inclination for me to feel like he needed to be part of the process. Well, but. He's an artist, but I don't think he was, like, trying to get on the album or anything. I just feel like he, based on what he was, he was posting some shit that would make you look at 50 Cent crazy. But um, I'm not going to even say that. What I'm going to say is that you can tell the energy about his brother's project being handled by people that handled it. He wasn't fucking with it on no level. But the, no the, level. Only, the only pushback I would have on that is just in the sense of, if they told him or if he felt like they didn't include him and he wanted to be included, you're going to get that type of energy. We we would have to know the details of that because if Pop Smoke didn't want him involved, 
um but he feels some type of way that's a whole nother conversation um that what i fun. will say though is i agree to some extent uh it it kind of felt like a marketing ploy you know that that initial cover art was just ridiculous like there was no way in the world i could see any record label submitting that cover art with like true intentions but um so let's let's say let's say the whole thing was a marketing scheme in that instance yeah i don't like the idea of like marketing off of people's emotions um but there is a flip side to that as well um but before we get to that let's say it it wasn't and it is exactly what it was virgil put his piece out there nobody liked it everybody said yo change it change it change it 50 didn't technically start a competition what 50 did was either he was sent up a, a new cover art or um somebody tagged him in a new cover art and he reposted it and said what do y'all think about this cover um and that's what led to everybody creating cover arts and throwing them out there so that leads to my next point of as much as it could have been potentially predatory on the labels part it could also be seen on the flip side of it as other people and not every artist so i'm not talking about your friend or anything like that but some artists looking for all the things that you you think that they should have gotten, like getting any type of press, getting any type of of uh, credit or whatever, and saying to themselves, oh, this is my time to get famous or get shine off of doing an album off of someone who passed. So I think there's a mixture, a whole bunch of shit happening here. I still do agree with you, though, that the whole competition is like feeling at least um, to the things and having everybody come up with all these these pieces of art and what seemed like they already had a backup art piece that they liked in the tuck anyway is kind of grimy. Yeah, and the other thing too that was throwing me off, even though I like the album cover that they selected, I don't understand it and I also don't see how it correlates to this. Shoot for the stars, aim for the moon. The correlation is, I don't know if whoever made it was like, we're going to go very fucking abstract. We're going to be like on some deep ass poetry shit. And we're going to make a very abstract cover. And this is going to be the cover. But the cover should have nothing to do with shoot for the stars, aim for the moon. Which a lot of other artists' designs attempted to galvanize what that statement meant to Mm -hmm. them. So I was just like, hey, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, the way that I look at it, and I already said this to you via text, the fans, for the majority of what I, I haven't seen nobody say the album was trash. I haven't seen that on nothing yet. And I've been to Mad People pages. Nobody has said the shit was trash. The singles was trash. 50 Cent producing it was wild. Everybody seems like they love the body of work. And I feel like at the end of the day, that's what matters the most. Absolutely. The music, not the cover art. Yeah. Music matters the most. Yeah. Um, all right. So like we said last week, we missed, we, we recorded and we dropped the, the episode the day after, but we recorded literally like maybe a couple hours before the Jada versus Fab, uh, versus battle. How'd y'all feel about the verses? I only watched piece of it, man. I started to watch it and I kind of like 
tapped in and out of it. I don't know. I, I they were chilling too much. Like mm. it wasn't like you know when the <laughs> niggas was definitely chilling. Like it, it was, and the other ones was like they people were interacting. It's like Jada was shouting everybody <laughs> he saw. If he saw your name, he shouted you out, and I was just like, I don't know. Me personally, it was it was kind of boring. I knew the songs, but I wasn't entertained. That's just my take on it. That's just me. J- Jada looked like he had more fun than Fabulous. We all know Fab is a chill nigga. So us expecting a hype Fab, we never. The only hype Fab I seen is when Fab was a uh, allegedly looked like he was about to fuck up Emily's father. We all saw that on camera. We all saw that two years ago on camera, and that was when Fab was posting in 2018 trying to take me out. So. Uh, you know, Fab, Fab, Fab is a chill nigga. Jada looked like he had more fun. Um, I wasn't expecting Jada to, you know, take the throne because I think we all kind of said Fab was going to take it. Yeah, I definitely but, thought Fab was going to take it, but Jada killed that nigga. I'm sorry. Jada took it. Jada. Oh, you mind the mom? Yo, knock yourself out. <laughs> Jada Jada murdered him. Um, Freddie versus Jason and Jason. Won. I feel like it was it was a pretty... It was entertaining for me just seeing, especially seeing Jada get drunk. Um, but I think <laughs> I think where the issue lied for me, and I actually thought it was one of the the upper tier verses. Um, but I, it's definitely one of the more memorable ones. It came, it had a lot of memes come from it. But what I think the issue was is it was very tactical. Like this was an actual versus where one side was trying to win. And one side was using methods and tactics. And if you're not like studying it in the in the in the realm of actual like chess moves, and if you're just trying to hear some good music, it kind of lost you in the beginning because Jada Kiss set the tone. He was the first one to go out. He was like, I'm the older one, so I'm going first. And he set the tone. And unfortunately for Fab, Fab's mentality was, oh, I'm gonna match what you're doing with what I'm, I'm going to do what, what you're doing and not, I'm going to go hit for hit. So Jada has some wild verses on some mixtapes. So Jada started off mixtape level and Fab was like, Oh, I'm going to do mixtape stuff too. But it's like, you'll never kill Jada in the mixtape realm. Like Fab will never kill Jada in that realm. Jada just got way too many verses in, in there. So where the only place that Fab really kind of outshines Jada is hits, and he didn't start off playing hits. He held on to a lot of mm. his hits until it was way too late in the game. Um, so I think that for for people who weren't there for like the the miracle lyrical stuff, a lot of people kind of just was like, "All right, Fab is getting killed. This is a a, a shutout, and nobody want to hear mixtape ver- you know verses all day." Um, but yeah, that that was my take on it. I I definitely did not expect Jada to smack him that much, but what I noticed while I was watching it, it was again, Jada was actually playing chess. That was the epitome of you came to play checkers and I came to play chess. Like Jada dictated the tone, he used the right songs at the right times, and it seemed like Fab was just playing stuff to just be like, "Oh yeah, you got that. Well, I got this." And that ain't that ain't it. You're gonna lose every time, especially to someone like Jada. This is what I'm also hearing. Because they have a good relationship, those those men are like brothers. They have mad records together. Um, Freddie versus Jason to me was a classic project. Those 
records on that album goes off because they got a record for every type of situation that you can go through in life. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, and it had a lot of joints in there that really made you think about where our world is going. But more importantly, the one thing that we like forgot about this versus is that versus is not just predicated on songs and hits. If you're a rapper, versus is kind of predicated on those verses. Legit, like what did you say in these verses? Right. And we forgot that part. But we were reminded with Fabulous and Jada Kiss. So now moving forward, we need to take mixtapes to mixtapes into consideration. We need to take features into consideration. We might even need to take intros of records into consideration because we're talking about these two prolific figures in hip-hop that were in hip-hop in the 90s and Fab got into hip-hop in the early 2000s. I mean, you got to if, if you want Meek Mill to have a chance because yeah. Meek Mill... Right. And I, I, I would say like this too. I think Fab could have won that he could battle. Have. He could have won it. If he just strictly played his radio Fab. hits. If right. he just pulled his three to four records off each of his albums that were his singles, Fab would have won that battle easy because those are the records we all Fab. know. Right. Well, those are the so, records most people might know if you didn't grow up on hip-hop in a sense like some of us, um, which I listen to mix. I used to buy mixtapes more than I bought albums. So I probably know more mixtape records of mad rappers than I actually do their singles. I think the problem with Fab was Fab has a lot of big girl songs. Yes. Yeah. Fab's early career was a lot of ballad hip hop yep. songs. So I think he didn't want to feel like he was going to bore people. But at the same time, these are your hits, bro. This is what gives gave you your plaques. This is what made you and dominate it, radio. For it's hard second. for you to put a girl song against somebody who is ripping the verse up. Like you're going to lose. Right. You're going to lose if you put up a, a, a girl song um, against Jada murdering a verse. Like, sonically, verse for verse is going to... Jada's going to win that every time. And I think that, the again, that was that was one of the problems is... I mean, Fab has some, some hard singles, too, but he didn't even play those because in the first half of the, of the, the verses, he was trying to match... Jada with with mixtape verses. He was trying to match whatever Jada said he was going to play. Fab was trying to match it and be like, oh, well, this is my version of that. And it's like, well, your version of your hottest verse will never be better than Jada's hottest verse. Like, that's just what it is, Fab. But your hottest single, you have mad singles and they're and most of your singles are bigger than Jada's singles. So you could play your singles and obliterate one of those mixtape verses, because even if your verse isn't as hot as Jada's, the song itself is hotter than Jada's song. That's that's what I was saying. That's 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 what got me bored in the first. I'm just like, what what's going yeah. on here? Like, I don't I don't get the energy. I wasn't I wasn't feeling that. Like Jada had a good energy, but Fab was just kind of kind of going with the program. Right. I was just like, what happened to your single? <laughs> right. Like, yeah. You have so much dope single, bro. You. He could have let Jada do this thing. Okay, boom. Bum, 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 bum. You yep. can't deny it. I'm a fuck. And I would have been, oh, shit. All right, Fab. I love Ghetto Fabulous. We could have started off with Ghetto Fab. And there's at least five songs on Ghetto Fabulous that he could have competed right. with in that first 20, in that first 10 minutes of that battle. That's a fact. And I'm like, why isn't he playing these tracks, bro? I was fresh. I was like, I don't know. Yeah, nah. 
I'm that's a great point. Guys. And I and to go to your point, distinguish, we also have to take into consideration um, regarding these versus battles, preparation, song choice, and opponent missteps. Because it's really, at least with Jada and Fab, that was really like a a boxing match. It just so happened to be one person was didn't train appropriately before the match. Um, right, 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 right. So right. looking looking forward, what do you? How do y'all feel about future verses? Is this something that you're still looking forward to, um, especially on the Monday night slot? Like, how do y'all feel about verses moving forward? Or I mean, should they kind of start staggering them out a little bit more? I feel like they should stagger them out. And also, me personally, because I work Monday nights, I t- typically sleep around the time the verses is about to start. So, shit, after this... After this episode, shit, after the next hour we get through it, I'm probably going to be in bed getting ready to go to work. So for me, it's probably not going to work out on Mondays, maybe other days. But, yeah, I think they should stagger it. And I think they should do different times. Um, yeah. I feel like the, the majority of the ver- – I feel like there was only maybe one or two verses that the time was different. It was early. It was, like, in the afternoon. So most of these verses are at nighttime. And as, you know, the coronavirus starts to wane off and more people go back to work, I don't think a lot more niggas gonna be watching these verses like that. Unless, you know, the verses actually becomes a thing where, which we kind of already alluded to in previous episodes, it becomes a thing where it's actually something that's outside. Which I know Timbo and Swiss are probably looking, looking into that heavier these days. As the weather is starting to heat up, shit, before this is over, before the summer's over, we might see an actual verses that happens outside. <laughs> Some, maybe, well, maybe sometime in August. Yeah, we definitely know. know that that's the next step. I think that... Um... I think that Sundays work when it's not a holiday. I think Sundays is a good day. Sundays yeah, do when it's Sundays is a good when day. it's not a holiday. I think Sundays work, and I do think that a day during the week works. Um, Monday, Monday's a little tricky because it's the top of the week, and if pe- I, I knew a lot, I saw a lot of people put that they didn't realize that that versus was happening on Monday, and I just think that because it's the beginning of the week, it kind of it's a little tricky, but. It's it's a tricky Mondays is a little tricky. I think Sunday Sunday evening seven o'clock that's prime time. Is before all of the Sunday night shows come on, which normally kick in around eight yeah. o'clock at night. You get that verses in people in and out six o'clock seven o'clock on a Sunday evening. That's perfect. I also think to take into consideration, we need to be realistic about who's doing the verses, like who is actually competing, because some people probably was like, I don't really fuck with Fab or Jada Kiss. Or some people was probably like, I don't know too much about either of their musics to even be like, I'm going to fuck with it. Or some people was just simply like, uh, Fab and Jada, they already got a mixtape together. They got a few records together. They have a whole mixtape called Freddy vs. Jason. Do I really want to watch this? And most people probably was like, nah. Well, I know that a lot of women... uh yeah, had a, a lot of women had an issue. No, a lot of women had an issue with it because of the whole uh, physical altercation allegation between Fab and em- Emily. So, really? Yeah, I seen a couple of women post up oh, things wow. about not really wanting to support it um, because of that physical altercation. Um, Interesting. Interesting is all I can say, man. God damn it. I mean, I could understand it, um, but. The only only part about it is just, at least for me, I mean, I don't, I'm not 100% aware, but I just don't know the details of that situation. I feel like him and Emily were both very 
quiet about it. So we have no real idea what happened there. Um, and the only reason I say it like that is because the only tape that I saw about the altercation was Fab versus Emily's father. Um, so I don't really know anything else about the physicality of it other than the original post, I think, that was put up and then deleted regarding you knocked out my teeth or something like that. And then Fab saying (laughs) he didn't do that. If I remember correctly, Fab say that that never happened. So it's just it's just really confusing to me. So I don't even want to get into it because I I don't feel like I know enough to to even have an opinion on that, nor do I really want to. Um, You know, if it did happen, it's nasty and disgusting and it should have never happened. But if it didn't, there seems to be a whole layered situation going on there with the father. So I guess at the end of the day, too, niggas ain't going to like me for saying this. I guess what we're going to have to do, too, is put domestic violence in a category when it comes to verses. That will affect the verses. It's not a category, but I definitely think it it goes to... It will affect It goes to what you said earlier about who's in the verses. You know, if people have a negative depiction of the people in the verses... Probably gonna affect the numbers, hundred percent. Speak. Yeah, you know, if 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 you know if 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 Christopher if Christopher Brown enters a versus, we're gonna hear Rihanna. We're gonna hear um Carucci. We're gonna hear you know when he um didn't want to pay that ten dollar valet fee uh, uh uh a few years back. We're we're gonna hear mad crazy shit if August Alcina enters a versus. We're going to hear mad crazy shit if Will Smith en- enters a versus with like an old school rapper. So I don't know. I don't know. Well, yeah, I, I don't I don't know if we I don't know. I think we're, we're, t- we're taking too many factors into consideration. The fans want what the fans want. You deliver what the fans want and we keep it pushing because even though people had the issues with Fab and Jada. When I was on it, it was still close to four hundred thousand people watching. I mean, they it. still pulled in. So. They still pulled in seven seven hundred thousand um, with on Apple and uh, IG combined. So they still had a a good following. It still was a it's a good amount of yeah. It's a good amount of people that still came through. Yeah, I mean, I went again. It's it's hard, you know, because with the climate that we're in, we're getting to a point where there's a lot of Canceling going on in some cases, rightfully so. In other cases, I think we got to get more information. We'll get to that with Jada in August because it does seem like they're trying to cancel Jada. But we'll get to that in a second. Um, 50 Cent, though, who's another one who almost got canceled this week um, because he made comments regarding black women. And he's basically he was on Little Wayne's show, uh, Young Man Money Radio. And he made a comment that was basically like, Yo, black women get mad at us when we say this, but, um, you know, when you when you from the hood and all you see is a certain type of woman all the time and then you see these exotic chicks, um, he was trying to he was basically justifying saying like, yo, you can't get mad at it when a nigga from the hood see that and be like, yo, she's exotic. Um, but uh, of course. Definitely, in my opinion, wrong wording. I I kind of understand the sentiment that he was going for, um, but it it just it plays way too much into this idea that black women are somehow lesser than and or not as pretty as the ideal or what people consider to be exotic. When 
black women are the most exotic women in the world because they come in so many different everything. You know, like when you when you talk about any race, black is probably the most diverse. So um, the the wording I think was poor. I do. If he would have just, I don't want to say I understand what he was saying, but I feel like what he meant was more so along the lines of when you're in the hood and then you start getting exposed to different things, it's like it blows your mind, um, which is a totally different thing, right? That Like, that's a whole nother sentiment. But by saying, like, you get used to the women in the hood and then you come across an exotic woman and then you like, oh, wow, because exotic, obviously, you're putting in place of other than black. And it's there's, so, I mean, we don't even have to talk about how black women are dominating all beauty standard competitions at this moment in time. And that's just a fact. Um, so, so yeah. Um, I will, I will, I'm going to just say this and I, and I, and we're going to go, I'm going to, it's leading right back to our original conversation. The whole poverty inflicts not just on men, bro. It inflicts just the same way on women. So I think a lot of it has to also do with the fact that the women may seem a bit more aggressive coming from this, from the, from the hood, as they would say, because a lot, the same shit that happens with us, the women are going through the same shit. So when you do meet another woman coming from a different place, different time frame, different way of growing up, their mannerisms, their, 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 the way they interact with people might be different. So you might meet a, a girl from, from Asia who has much more of a much more of a um a, a self a uh what's the word i want to use um they um damn the word is the word submissive? popped out of my head just now submissive submissive way about them so when i when I, <laughs> it's kind of funny because if i'm a dude and i'm used to the chicks that the chicks that I'm used to are always more so aggressive or you're always arguing with them. And it's, and like I said, it's because of everybody going through their own levels of stress in their own way. And then you come out of that situation, you meet a chick that's just like, yeah, whatever you want. And then you have a chick who's just willing to serve or not, not serve, but just to placate to what the fuck you want to do. Your mindset kind of thinks, well, this chick is better. Like they do what I want. And then in your mindset, you might think they're more beautiful, whatever. And it's not because of that. It's just you might think you're attracted to one type of thing. And then when you meet something else, you might realize that you're really attracted to that or different things like that. So we're rewarding, of course, but it's also a hard reality of just your environment and what you're used to and then being exposed to something that you're not used to and then wanting to surround yourself with that. If all if every time I'm surrounded by stress and then I meet someone else that it's not as stressful or their life isn't as complicated as mine. Now, you know, I'm in a position where I don't have to worry about her because she's not, she doesn't have all these other factors bothering her. Yeah. You're going to be more gravitated. I mean, I think that. that's an interesting so, perspective. I also think that again, this is another layer conversation because we all know that, Standards of beauty have traditionally been that the lighter you are or the more uh, more Asian or more Hispanic your features are, the more you're considered 
prettier than a black woman and that's all obviously systemic and linked to racism so i think that that's why many people have an issue with it i i do hear the sentiment behind what he said based off of his words based off of how he presented it it wasn't in lieu of that it, it wasn't a conversation at least that's how i took it it wasn't a conversation about oh black women are not as pretty as exotic the way he said it and the way I interpreted it was more so uh, of, oh, well, when you're in the hood and you're used to whatever you're seeing in the hood, said hood, whether it is everybody dressing a certain type of way, everybody acting a certain type of way, which goes, goes to your point, or whatever you have you, and then you become a successful rapper or you become a successful person and you're traveling the world and you're going to all these different places and you're starting to see features that you're not used to or you're starting to see cultures that you're not used to that to you specifically makes uh is exotic um but that doesn't necessarily mean that the the quote-unquote exotic experience is better than the black experience or that the exotic experience or the exotic woman rather is prettier than the black woman and unfortunately that those conversations are so intertwined that wording it like that is is not going to work out and also even having that conversation to a certain extent you got to be real detailed as to what the hell you trying to say because i can i can see why black women would be very offended by that i i i agree I agree. I don't know. I, I'm I'm in I'm in conflict with that because wealth always adds a different thing. Because you could take that same black chick from the hood and take her over to a place where she ain't got that stress to worry about anymore, and watch how quick she glow up, and watch how quick those attitude changes, and watch how quick she turns into the woman you want her to be, and vice versa. So I think it's a it's it's not only based on looks. I think it also gets it's also based on how you're treated and i think a big part of that comes from the different factors but i just think of it like this by the time you already glowed up and blow up and traveling the world and doing all these type of things you know met all these types of women and whatnot you done made your mind up of about who you how you want to be treated what type of way you want to be treated and you've already made your mind up that you know i don't want to deal with those types of women for whatever said reasons but like I said, you take you could take that same girl out the hood and she'll be a whole different person if you take her somewhere in the hills where she ain't got to worry about half the shit I mean, and, worry about and and his girlfriend Cuban Links. She's from Cuba, but she looks like a black like a black woman to me. Like I had to look up her background to find out what exactly she was, and she caught flack because she, which I I don't know why people were giving her flack. I think this was kind of ridiculous. But she basically said like, "Yo, Ladies, don't worry about it. I already knocked him upside his head for his stupid comments. And then I seen people coming at her like, oh, but you the exotic he's talking about. So you have no say in this. And I'm like, just because she's from Cuba doesn't mean that she's not a black woman. They have a lot of black Cubans uh, that exist. You know, I don't know. But uh, yeah. Yeah, All I will say is it is culturally culture has a part to play in it because you can meet a black girl from a different culture and it's a different experience and that's just that so if he's strictly pretending to 
hood chicks in New York City, then that's just that. That's how he perceives hood chicks in New York City. Hood chicks in, I don't even want to say hood chicks, but black. And it's, it's funny because he said hood. So we have to still keep that yeah, in he mind. Said, he said what he, I think, what's, what's in the hood. So Yeah, what's in the hood. He had, he had, he, that's a very specific place and a very specific set of people. Although we're all black, it's still culturally I mean, he mentioned three things. He black said girl, black women get mad at, at, at men when we say, you know, oh, she's exotic or, or whatever. And then he said, but you can't get mad at the fact that I think something is exotic um, if the majority of my life I've been in the hood and I'm used to seeing this particular thing happening in the hood, whether it, again, whether it's dress, um, you know, culture, whatever it is. And then I leave the hood and I'm exposed to so many different things. And that then leads me to be like, oh, shit, that chick is exotic. And look at these different features and stuff like that. Um, then again, I, I guess I could see why some some black women might be offended because China, China the Chinese man going to leave China and come over here and still marry a Chinese woman, a woman of asian of china of chinese descent not even asian but chinese they're going to marry within their race or within their culture so that is a a technically a a hard conversation to have so i could see why it could be but everything can exist without denigrating the black woman and i think that that's the problem you know what i'm saying like when when black men talk about exotic they get so excited as if like you ain't around some of the most beautiful women your entire life. Like black women and the fe- the, the features that every other culture tries to emulate to some extent, you know, are some of the best features out there. And I'm not saying that in terms of some Terry Crews shit, because we got to get to this nigga in a second. But um, yeah. I'm saying that in terms of these are the features that everybody looks like everybody looks at and says they want. So when you have those features in front of you, but you're, over there praising and bigging up these other features as if they're better than the source, then I can see, I can a hundred percent see why people would come at you for that. It's like getting a, getting a knockoff version of something. Cause you didn't want to want to get the real one and then trying to downplay the real one just to make, make your knockoff because it looks prettier to you in some way shape or form as if it's better than the original but it's not so i can understand it it's it's bad it's bad wording i think that what he was saying has some some form of perspective to it so i think from what he was saying from his perspective can make some form of sense but just the wording wasn't wasn't it um he generalized and he generalized what something that he shouldn't have generalized and then made it a specific statement. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's just like you can't say black women always have issues. Yeah, with this. exactly. At the end of the day, if you're if you're dating black, you're dating black. It doesn't matter what culture they come from. Just say that, yo, when when I I'm I'm when I leave the hood, I'm you know, I find myself, you know, getting involved with people. I don't want people that come from the same situation as me, that's a different type of conversation. But you can't say black women always have an issue with this because, you know, black American women could say that, but I don't think you could generally say black women because 
you know, there's mad different black people. You could date a black girl from Jamaica. What you gonna be mad because I'm dating a Jamaican now? Like I'm not dating. I'm, I'm dating a for, uh, uh, exotic chick because I'm dating a black Jamaican woman. No, <laughs> so gotta be. He yeah uh, he he made a general statement to a specific thing, and that's why people are giving him flack. Yeah, so it's Farrakhan uh, gave what may be his final address uh, on the fourth of July. And he said a lot of different things. I don't know if you guys were able to see it, see that address. It was three hours long from Revolt. No, I haven't gotten the opportunity. To. Um, three hour long. No, I did not see that. Yeah, yeah. Three hour long address. Some of the key points that he said during his speech was that he believes that false Jews poisoned him. Um, and it's very important to make the distinction of false Jews because... He says that there has been a narrative, and obviously he got canceled on every platform, every social media platform. But he says that there's this narrative that he hates Jewish people. And he says that you would never hear a Jewish person say that he hates Jewish people. And you will never hear in any of his speeches that he hates Jewish people. But uh, what he's saying, or what I guess he was trying to clarify, was that there are people who parade around saying that they're Jewish people or of Jewish faith. But they're not really of it, and they do a lot of nasty things in the name of the Jewish faith. And so those are the people that he says he's acknowledging when I guess some of his speeches, um, which were which the rhetoric went too far in a lot of people's minds, they were directed towards people who were manipulating the religion in order to spread their message. That's that's his point of view. Um, then he said he urged black people, uh, to take the coronavirus seriously. Everybody there had on a mask. Everybody was socially distanced apart. Um, but he also said that they're forcing everybody to take a vaccine for money. So we should not take any vaccine until we have our black doctors take a look at the vaccine and find out exactly what's in it. So that we know that there isn't some other agenda with the vaccine um, that will eventually be proposed. Um, he also came at Bill Gates and a couple of other people saying that they are the ones behind the vaccine, which has been tied to some conspiracy theories. Um, so it's kind of hard to know where to go with that. And then he says that Donald Trump and others are doing the work of Satan because they are purposely lying to people and manipulating facts and things like that. But when it came to China, he said China still has time to redeem itself by doing the right thing. He said that China right now is oppressing Muslims and they need to to change that. Um, and he said that the coronavirus is a pestilence that was sent from heaven to remind us that we are not in control of what's happening and to rid this world of, of some, you know, some, or at least he didn't say rid the world, but remind the world that, again, like, we're not the ones in control. God is in control. So I don't know what you guys, how you guys feel about some of those points. When Minister Louis Farrakhan talks i think everybody should listen even the people that cancels him because 
Minister Louis Farrakhan has been talking the way he's been talking for over 40 years. That's number one. So there's no, I don't think you're going to really find any like misstep in his verbiage because his verbiage ha- hasn't really changed much, um, to be honest. It hasn't really changed. It's kind of the same message over and over and over. I'm just, I just feel like he's been saying it differently. Um, in terms of the Bill Gates um, situation regarding him being behind the vaccination, I mean, I, I want to say there's an interview of Bill Gates actually saying that he is funding whatever company is going to come up with the vaccine. So I guess that's what no, happened. The, the, the cons- that, he's, vocal, he's been vocal about that. No, the, the, Bill vocal and about Gates that. Are the conspiracy yeah. behind it is that there's something in the vaccine for population, depopulation and population control. Not so much about vaccine because, the, I mean, the vaccine, because Bill Gates has been an infectious disease for, for years now. Um, and he's been in that realm basically saying even before swine flu and all these other pandemics um sars he's been saying that one of his greatest fears is that the world will be or civilization will be taken down by a virus and or by some form of a disease that we are not prepared for and that is what will is one of humanity's greatest um you know obstacles because we don't have enough funding in those areas. So, yeah, he is definitely funding. I guess the the motive behind it is what certain people are questioning. Well, I feel like people should feel the way that they feel about Bill Gates. And if it's a conspiracy or not, people have the right to feel how they feel. People feel some type of way about Kanye West running for presidency. People have some people feel some type of way about Donald Trump, who had nothing to do with no type of politics. And he ended up fucking winning. So if speculations are going to be drawn, shit, throw all the guns on the table at everybody. Lay them all out. Listen, I understand it. Uh, I get it. I just think it's also dangerous because we're in this space now where any allegation can can pick up traction. And if it's not true, certain people are sending death threats. Certain people are trying to take physical action against individuals. And rhetoric is important. Who knows? I mean, everybody can find a fact to back up their sentiment these days um and there could be some nefarious activities behind bill gates wanting to have a vaccine created but vaccines have been around for the end of since the not the beginning of time but for a very long long instance in terms of of making sure the human race becomes immune to certain diseases so sometimes when we're pushing rhetorics that say don't take a vaccine or don't do this or don't do that, um, it plays into a negative aspect of things. I like the way Farrakhan worded it. He said, don't take it until we have some other people vetted. Don't just whatever the that, that's whatever it. the government throws let, at you, don't just, just be cool yeah, with it. Let let the people let the people you trust vet it first. And you know, if you go back, you know, a hundred and twenty years ago, hundred and thirty years ago when penicillin was hitting the market I'm pretty sure those people like don't take that penicillin. You dip, 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 and yet penicillin is one of the main catalysts that fights bacteria within the right. body. Besides our natural way, I mean, of course, there's natural herbs and natural supplements from the from Mother Earth that could also help these things. But penicillin was the first massively produced medication ready to treat specific bacterial infections within the blood. 
So I'm I'm 50-50 because a part of me feels that there is some hidden narrative or some hidden agenda behind it. Unfortunately, they they don't let us to believe this because of all of the foolishness that's been going on. It's kind of hard for you not to think that way. However, what I will say, and I, I'm gonna watch to address my. I'm gonna still have to watch Minister Farrakhan. So I always respect his words. He's very, as what distinguished said, he's very specific in his wording. He never really does misplaced words because words are very powerful, and how you perceive words is a very big thing. And there's a lot of people who pay attention, very, very detailed. Yeah, he did not leave much room saying. for interpretation. His words were very, Interpret- very yep. poignant. So. I like I like the different. I'm gonna watch it because you know I'm, um I have a lot of a roster friends and I hear these things every time I see them and link up with them about the difference between the Jews the Jews and the Israelites and all these different things. So it's gonna be an interesting thing to sit down and watch and and how I perceive that. But it's important to understand that you know if there's if there's people who worship God, there's people who worship Satan. If you don't believe it, you're a fool to not believe it. Everybody can't worship God and they don't worship Satan. It's just the, the flip of two coins. So how that works out, hey, it's up to your perception. Faith is what you make it. Your faith is as strong as you is as as, as strong as you want it to be. So that's a different conversation for a different time. I'm not gonna go into no religious shit. However, I respect Minister Farr- Farrakhan. He's one of the one of the few enlightened black people who's chosen to put it all for front street. We always need people like that around us because sometimes the truth is hard to digest and you always have to have someone who's going to spit the facts besides the ones we know already. Cause history and the, per, the, the, the way we perceive history was not written in our favor. The books we read, the facts we perceive, all these things were written by someone else for us to perceive it. So who knows what the real facts are? We can only go based on what we read on the computer where we're reading the books based on what someone else wrote. Right. And and that's a... Uh-huh. I was going to say, and perception is perception. And sometimes you need facts. multiple perceptions to get to the truth. Um, that is a He fact. also clarified, and I wanted to make sure I get this point out. He also clarified that the Muslim community, at least the Nation of Islam, has no issues with the lgbtqai plus community he says that he stands they stand with with them as well as the he he made it very specific to point out the trans community i'm assuming he has some rhetoric that may have caused some controversy in that realm and so he he clarified that he you know that there is no issue with that community um he added some more stuff to it. Again, listeners, if you're interested, definitely go check it out. It's three hours. Um, yeah, I'll definitely watch it sometime. Yeah, he tried to clear up, I guess, a lot of misconceptions because he has said that he's been poisoned and he's losing his faculties. And this may most likely be the last time that anybody hears a, a speech like this from him. So, um Apparently, somebody who does not want to stop fucking talking and have us not hear from him ever again is Terry Crews. Uh, Distinguish, you got anything for your boy, man? (laughs) Nah, man. You know, shout out to the video we made. You know, some (laughs) people love it. Some people hate it. I don't really give a fuck. Um, We lost Terry Crews a long time. 
Um, shout out to white girls. You know, we lost Terry Crews a long time. Okay, we lost him a long time. I don't, I don't know what rabbit hole he's sinking into. Um, I don't know where he is in life. I don't know if he's happy. I don't, I don't think he's happy right now in life. And when some people are not happy, they're not in a space to receive love. Mm. I definitely wrote this somewhere in one of my stories today. Um, had people in my inbox calling me Minister Gray. You know, I got some things in the works in the ministries as well. We're not going to talk about it now. Maybe next week. But, uh, yeah, you know, uh, you know, what can I say? Um, sometimes when people like a Terry Crews mind talks the way he talks, we need to make fucking jokes of it. We need to make fun of it. And that's what the fuck we're here to do today on Dad Has and Botox. This nigga, so just to clarify for the listeners, this nigga said that he made two comments. He said, we have to make sure that Black Lives Matter doesn't become Black Lives Better. And then he followed that shit up two days later with, are all white people bad? No. Are all black people good? No. I stand with good people of all races. And... My takeaway is just nobody is even having these conversations. He's having these conversations with himself. So that's why it makes no fucking sense and why people are coming at him. He's having these conversations with Kanye West, brother. <laughs> I don't even think Kanye is entertaining this bullshit with him. I honestly feel like Terry is sitting in a fucking corner and just coming up with shit and throwing it online. Like, there's no national conversations about black people are better than, than anybody else. There's no national. There's no national conversation of that. There's no national conversation of black people need to be treated better than said people. There's no national conversation that black all black people are good and black and all white people are bad. So for him to keep throwing these things out there and and think that he's adding to the conversation and then wondering why people are like, "Yo, Terry, sit this one out," because you don't know what the fuck you're talking about, is baffling to me. Because it's like, "Yo, bro." No one is talking about these things. There's not a group of people out here screaming, yo, let's go fuck up some white people. Not one black person has put that out there as an agenda. The agenda has always been at the at the very most uh, militarized. Yo, if y'all touch us, we are going to start shooting back. We're at the point where we're going to start shooting back. It's never been, yo, black people, let's mobilize and let's start terrorizing white people. Never been the case. So for him to be adding those narratives to the story is just very like, who are, who are you trying to feed this narrative to? Who are you trying to get to, to sit at their computer when they, they read these things or look at their phone when they read these things and be like, yup, Terry, that's right. Yup, because it, it ain't black people. I look at it like this. For anybody out there who looks at the Black Lives Matter movement and says, hey, y'all just trying to hype yourselves up because all lives matter and gets upset because someone says Black Lives Matter. Not only are you slightly narcissist, but you're just a douchebag. Plain and simple. Like If you can't conceptualize the simple fact that all lives can't matter until black lives matter too. And if that's, if that's a complete, utter, wild statement for you to fathom or, or put it together, as, and I said it a few episodes back, it's not that all lives don't matter, it's that our lives don't matter as much. 
So at the end of the day, if all of us here are in this room, if me and you and Distinguished are in a room together, and me and you got money to eat every day, and Distinguished don't got bread to eat like that, but yet he got to pay us bread. And at some point, another person comes in the room and says, hey, don't y'all think you got to give this kid a break? Like, don't you think he deserves to eat good too? I really like, fuck that. We trying to eat good too. But he's already giving y'all bread though. So when do y'all give him a break so he can eat good? And if we sit there and be, nah, fuck that. You don't need to do no better. You don't need to eat. He's straight. You don't need to eat. He could, he could be good with the crumbs. Meanwhile, we over here living good. But but saying that everybody in this room is living good. That's the that's exactly. that's the picture we paint in everybody. The Yo, everybody who comes to this room eats good. But we have people sitting there that we know are not eating as well. And people are like, "Yo, you should change that. You should figure out a way you to make it so that it. everybody should is eating good cuz you're not living up to your what you claim what's, is is your mission and, and statement. What's even funnier about it is the statement that goes along with that and be like, but there's enough food on the, the table for everybody to eat. Yet, we make sure that we corner off the table based on what we want to get. So by the time this person comes to get food on the table, they can't afford it or quite simply, there's not enough left. Yeah. That's the, that's the hard fact. And for the for the for the narrow-minded black people who are choosing to go along with the statement otherwise which i find is always the ones who aren't really affected by it Mm. you know and if you really pay attention it's always the ones that are not actually really being affected by it because you wouldn't say that if you were really affected by it you would be able to understand it yeah facts there's no black person that will sit here and say I don't respect all, all um, Black Lives Matter if they weren't at a point where they felt like their words weren't being heard or they were put in a predicament where shit was blatantly unfair. So get the fuck out of here with that, Terry Crews. And I've come, I've had, no I've had, <laughs> I've had conversations with people who, who feel that way that they, they haven't or they don't perceive racism whether it is because they're from another country um, and they didn't they didn't they didn't feel racism for where they came from because it might have been an all black country or their perception of racism was different in said country. I've had conversations where it's really hard for certain people to acknowledge the fact that, like, if you're black in America, you aren't playing with the same deck of cards. <laughs> you, you just aren't. And it's unfortunate yeah. that it's it's so hard for certain black people to realize it because it's all around them. It's just you're desensitized to think that it's unfair. You think that it's fair for black people, for you. You don't realize that it's unfair in general. You don't realize that when you walk into a CVS and that feeling of dread of, all right, let me not, let me get, let me be in and out this bitch because I don't want nobody Facts. following me around the store. I don't want nobody thinking that I'm about to steal. Like, I have that dread. All, ever since I was a kid, I would walk into a store and I would be... I, if y'all notice, I stand outside of a store. If y'all go to the store and y'all going to buy something and I don't want to buy... I don't. I know I'm not buying anything, I'll stand outside. And that's all coming from my childhood where it's like, I don't want these motherfuckers thinking I'm trying to steal some shit. Like, 
it, it is what it is. People following you around the store. People, as soon as you walk in, their eyes is, is watching you. They looking at the camera. Niggas asking you stupid questions when you go and you pay for one thing. Oh, did you get that here? Motherfucker, you don't even sell Fanta. The Facts. fuck you talking about, bro? Did I get that here? And you know what's crazy? A lot of it is normalized. So a lot of people don't even realize that they're not supposed to be treated that way. They're not supposed to feel that way. They're not. So, that's not a norm. It's not supposed to be a norm. And honestly, I, I kind of feel that way because me and my brother had this conversation. We didn't really grow up in a racial type of situation. Like We didn't really experience racism growing up. It's right. not until I came to this fucking country, bro, that as an adult, I started to realize like, this is a weird feeling. Like this is a that 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 um I, it's not privilege, it's like that right for them to feel like they have a right to tell you certain things and they have a right to question you. It's as it's almost as if though you're it's not your it's not just your business. Like they have a right to be involved in what the fuck you're doing. Right. And I keep telling y'all about my wild neighbors right next door here. I was fixed I told y'all I was fixing some shit the other day. And this happened last week, Wednesday. So my cousin came and he finally got to fix the pipe downstairs. My neighbor comes outside. So what are you guys doing next door? You guys doing work? And I'm just looking at him like, is it your business? Right. Why are you asking me? Why are you? And it's not. And it wasn't. Uh, hey, yeah, I see y'all doing work. It was like, so what are you guys doing? Yeah. It was not just a curious question. It was. No, it was like, you need you to doing? answer me. Yeah, you need or to I'll- answer me. Up to Saturday, bro, I'm having a cookout in the backyard. I'm having a cookout in the backyard. They come out. And it's funny because a part of me just like, ah, everybody trying to enjoy the day. But they're outside on their porch. And it's not be- it's not like they're outside to chill. They're outside to observe. Mm. You feel me? And everyone felt that way. It wasn't me. To the point where... My wife's grandmother was just like, why are they staring at us? Mm. You feel me? Like, it's it got uncomfortable to the point where I, I, I was just like, yo, like, do y'all want something? I want some food? Do, what, what's good? <laughs> like, there's more than enough to go around. Right. You feel me? Oh, no, no, no. We're, we're good. We're good. So what the fuck y'all doing? So what y'all <laughs> doing? And y'all never come outside on y'all porch to chill and sit down. But... Y'all not going to do it at at a certain point. Y'all going to wait until when we're in the backyard. So y'all going to come outside at that point. It, it's too, it's not just coincidental. Right. It's not. And, yo, it's, it's, a, it's a crazy thing, man. And like I said, a lot of these things we go through, it's become normalized. So we've been, we've been put in this predicament to not really stress it or don't really want to question it. But it's not supposed to be that way. It's really not. Especially if you walk into a big-ass store and there's a hundred other people in the store, but yet you want to follow me. You're not following none of these other fuckers in the store. But for whatever reason, when I walk in this bitch, you move from whatever the fuck you were doing to come fold clothes next to me. To go fold or look at inventory. Look at all of a sudden you need to come check to see if all the sizes are right on this rack next to (laughs) me. All right. Say less. So, distinguished brother, we are here at the fucking news of the week. What everybody's been talking about, everybody's had a fucking opinion on. Jada Pinkett Smith and August Alcina. Ticket it down. So, 
one, I know the the interview with Angela Yee, I know you had a breakdown for that. So what do you... Uh, yeah, so the interview with Angela Yee, the first time I think that the news actually broke is because of that one clip where he was basically talking about... And he was talking in, like, codes. He was talking about the nature right. and the relationship between him. So alleged relationship between him and Jada Pinkett Smith. For those of you guys who do not know, Jada Pinkett Smith is married to Will Smith. They've been married for a very, 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 very long time. Um, they have three children together. Um, anyways. Um, well, two, and Will has one outside. Two, right. Um, Willow and Jada, and then Will has an older son that he had in a previous marriage um, with another young lady, who, by the way, Jada and that woman are actually cool. They're actually friends. Um, so shout out yeah, to them cool. for figuring out that family dynamic. But yeah, August Alcina in his interview with Angela Yee, which again, it really wasn't an interview. Angela Yee was just there. Um, <laughs> she was just there. Um, if I'm going to keep it 100, she was just there because she was, I feel like she was like one of us. She was just listening. Um, yeah, she was just sitting there. She was just sitting there sure. listening. First time in a long time where I really looked at her face, I said, Angela Yee really has a resting bitch face. She is very expressionless at times. There's no real expression of her face. My opinion There's no real emotion. Even though I'm not going to say that she wasn't pretty, she definitely was good to look at when the camera went on her face. But other than that, she didn't really give me no life in the interview. She was just there. Um, August Alcina was, I feel like he was indirectly animated. I did notice, and this is just me being a very observant person. If you notice... August Alcina had a two-tone blazer on. The blazer was two-toned. Blade, one side of the blazer was like this tan brown. The other August side had a was lot a different going type on. of brown, and it was fucking plaid. Nigga had two-tone hair. The hair looked Nigga like he was on a, fucking Mary Poppins. Aunt, Aunt Jemima Beanie on. Aunt Jemima, I don't know what the fuck I don't know was what was on, happening. Um, August Alcina looked like... Um, he, he looked like Static Shock, just a more light skin animated version. <laughs> he definitely looked like gotta Static go, Shock. Go, gotta get him. Gotta, he, that's what he looked like. Um, <laughs> August Alcina, as we all know, had a very troubled life. You know, he was discussing his documentary, which I haven't seen yet. His documentary was basically talking about his whole. I didn't. I didn't know that both his sister and his brother was killed due to violence in his neighborhood. I didn't know that. Um. These are some of the stuff he talked about in the interview. Um, and he was talking about a record that he put out last year called Nunya, which Nunya supposedly is about the relationship that he had with Jada Pinkett Smith. Um, I honestly believe that even though he's on medication, um, that, you know, he's had a lot of epileptic things happen to him on stage. He's been out of the limelight for a while. Um, August Alcina is a great troubled talent, but I do believe that he had a situation ship with Jada Pinkett Smith. I personally believe that. I don't think you're going to be in an interview that fucking long and make up this story. You're going to make up this story. What is this story being made up going to do for you? Honestly, what is it going to do for you? I mean, it does a lot for him, honestly, but it does. The only, the only thing, the only thing I say is we cannot forget about Jesse Smollett. That that's my first. Like okay. I don't I don't know what to believe. Okay, I don't know what to believe. Yeah, I don't feel like we have enough information. We have one side of the account, uh-huh. and 
from the way he's told it, I can understand why so many people are inclined to say that they believe it, um, are inclined to feel like he's some form of a victim in some instances. Um, I can understand all of those sentiments, and we'll dig deeper into that in a second. But for me personally, I just don't have enough information, um, and it's all one-sided. What I would say kind of boosts what he's saying a little bit is it's taking Jada way too long to come out with an official rebuttal it is like it is she did she did put out a statement will did put out a statement through their prs through their agents but for them to get on camera or for them to put out a detailed statement which in some sense they don't really have to but we all know that this is getting out of control to some extent if there's no validity to what he's saying i feel like they would have been out there like yo here are the receipts this kid is bugging out. We don't know what the fuck is going on. So on that end of it, I feel like so- what happened, I don't know. But something could have happened. Um, and it seems that some evidence is leaning towards that. I'm just not going to go solely off of what August is saying. And that's not nothing about not believing the quote unquote victim. Because I don't think he's a victim in this instance. Me personally, I get the where some people what? try to make. We'll get to it. I'm a, it's, it's, it's real. A lot of people are going really, really deep with this shit, but I want to Stanwich to finish his, his take. And, but a lot of people have turned this situation into something that it doesn't need to be. Like, really, really wild shit. Jada's a predator. All this type of wild shit that, for me, I think is wild. I get what they're getting at, but I just don't see it. I don't. Hold, hold, hold on, bro. Thing, I'm, I'm going to let you finish, bro. But as the only <laughs> married nigga in this motherfucker in a long-term relationship, if I let another motherfucking nigga, if we had a fucking conversation, and I said, little nigga, <laughs> wifey kind of adventurous. I can't keep up with this hoe no more. I'm going to give you access to smash my fucking wife. And your stupid ass have the uh, fucking dacity to come out and say, well... You know, me and her had something. Nah, nigga, I gave you permission to get involved in what the fuck we doing right here. And I don't give if, a fuck if, about how you feel. I mean, and if you have uh, August tell the story, August is the one who presented that to Will. Yeah. August said, I went and got the blessing from Will. That's what he said. So, so what so, the fuck you come? It's like so my how nigga. How he's a you, victim? That, how, that's what I'm saying. We got to get we got to get deeper yo, into that conversation. But. Get, it bo- like what I'm like, it bothers me. I'm, I want to let this thing, but it's bothering me so much to my <laughs> core, bro. Because I'm in a long term relationship and I'm married, son. And if for whatever reason my wife is just like, yo, I love you, I still want to be with you. However, the spark ain't there no more in our sex life. You know, I think we should, we, if we want to be adventurous, we could open up the marriage a little bit as long as we're discreet. I'm willing to go about doing this. Now she comes to me with some little young nigga and he talking about, oh, well, you know, if you're cool with it, I'm cool with it. Don't worry about it. You know, it's going to be private. Everybody's going to be cool. Your silly ass gets involved, catches feelings. And now because wifey is just like, listen, I think it was fun. I'm ready to chill out, though. I'm ready to patch things back up with my husband and work things out. And you're going to sit there and expose all the shit that's supposed to be private we didn't let you into our situation, little nigga. 
How the fuck you gonna catch feelings now, act as if though you're the victim because we're kicking you out from an agreement that we brought you the fuck into? How the fuck does that make sense? That well, doesn't make no type of sense. You, I don't, you can't even justify that shit to me. I bro. don't think they kicked him out, bro. I, I think he left. I don't even fuck if the nigga jumped off the roof. Nah, he got, he got, I, I don't know if he got kicked out, but Jada definitely ended that shit because he, that's why he's so hurt. He, he claims that he was so hurt. Yeah, son. You, because he, that. He, August, one of the, one of the things that August said was that if he was to die, he would know that he died getting the opportunity to love as much as he did because most people will never experience that in a lifetime. Most people will never experience that for as long as they live, which I thought was definitely do- uh, deep, prophetic, and profound. I don't know what type of love they had or whatever type of love they created, but for somebody to say that, it sounds like that nigga been through some shit with them. Um, when he said he got Will Smith blessing, you know, this ain't, this ain't the first time we done heard somebody say they had Will Smith's blessing Tyree said he had Will Smith's blessing, and and Will Smith said he never gave that nigga no money. So you know, um, I don't know. I mean, th- this is that, that that's, is what Will Smith a, that's said. a fact though. The Will Smith definitely they, said I didn't um, give that man no money. Um, listen, there uh, is a history of people lying on the Smiths. Yeah, we have yeah, to yeah. I mean, acknowledge that. That's a fact, bro. I'm starting. Even if they aren't lying, bro, you gotta understand this. If me and you had a private conversation and you agreed with me in private that you want to keep this shit private. And then all of a sudden you want to come out and act as if though the world needs to know what the fuck. Deny, deny, the fucking deny, my nigga. Because we had an agreement. But I You're think choosing to break that agreement. But now. I think that's why they're taking so long. They're taking so long because, yo, Jada, this is not a diss record. This is life. You can't, you can't uh Vanessa Williams your way out of this one. You can't uh Duppy freestyle your way out of it. You can't um the story of Adidon out of this one. No, you gotta you gotta let us know from right now, cause you see how our culture is. Nigga, you you had you had literally less than 48 hours to get your shit together. After we she go into 72 though, and, and after we go into like four or five days, we're gonna start to think there there's something you're hiding from us. And now we want answers. Now we want answers. I don't get it though, bro, because I don't have to answer nothing about my marriage to anybody. I don't care who's saying what. But the if problem you can question flow, me till the sun turns blue. But the and pro- I don't have to tell you what happens in my house. But the problem flow is that it's bigger than the house. This is what it's it is. It's not. Let me bring my camera closer. This is what it is. Tell me. This mm. is what it is. Jada yeah. has created Jada a motherfucking platform that uh-huh. literally brings people on to expose their deepest, darkest, whether it's secrets, whether it's things that's been hidden in a closet, or whether it's something that People have general knowledge of, but she brings them on the show to expand on it even more. Gabrielle Union wrote a book called We're Going to Need Some More Wine. They expanded beyond the book and talked about why is it that they really haven't seen eye to eye um, in their uh, in their friendship or why, why they have had such a catty, bitchy, non uh, uh, nonsense relationship over the years. She's even brought Will on the show to talk about and expand on why there's certain parts of their marriage that didn't work and certain parts that did. Even when Will was talking about the house, he thought he thought building a fucking house was going to make their union stronger. And she hated that fucking house. So do I blame the media for coming at Jada the way they are? No, I just have a problem with them saying that she is a predator because I feel like at the time, 
uh, August Alcina was of consent and he was able to make his own decision. But going back to what I'm really saying, she made a whole show about exposing shit. Jada, you on front line, baby. The exposures are on you now. It's your turn. It's your, you've made a whole, um, within the last two years, you've made a whole platform about exposing shit. It's time so for the Jada only, to expose her shit. Well, the only, the only thing I would have to say against that is anybody who's come on the red table has come on under their own volition. Jada's being forced to expose things that, if, if alleged things, that if they are true, she was not ready to bring to the world. And she's being forced to do that through August Alsina. And that's not fair. That isn't fair. I mean, at the end of the day, again, with the Red Table Talk, people are volunteering to come on that show and go as deep as they decide to go. No one is forcing them to, to expose something that they're not ready to grapple with or ready to bring to the world. So for somebody who, like Flo said, to have a personal agreement with somebody that says, yo... I'm not really ready to bring this out to the public or if something happens between us, we're just going to make sure that it stays between us. And then for one of those parties to go and say, nah, fuck that, because and you can't say that there isn't a little bit of spite in this because he could go straight to a fucking therapist if he really he wants to to, to heal to bro. and get all this shit off his chest. But first, he, he releases a song two years ago, putting her middle name in it. And and making it seem as if they have a relationship. That was strike one. And then you go on on a interview with a project coming out and or I'm rather a project already out like a couple of days before you do the interview. And now you're exposing and expanding upon something that you put out there that originally you knew you wasn't supposed to put out because however it broke down, it ended up with you losing out on money, whether the Smith somehow blocked it. Or whether people looked at you and said, yo, you a messy nigga, so we can't really fuck with you. Facts. So I just feel like it's unfair in that instance. Does she now have to do something in response? She doesn't have to, but it's in her best interest. It's definitely in her best interest. And think about how this plays out for Will, bro. Not Not only do, if this shit is actually true, not only does every nigga think they got a shot with your wife, one... Two, you have That's to rough. acknowledge the fact that one, you ain't mad enough because obviously she's fucking with another nigga. You had to give your blessings means you couldn't please your wife. Okay. And three, it makes both of y'all seem like it's open season now. So your whole marriage seems like a fraud. You have to think of the several levels of how this thing plays out if it actually comes to be true. It doesn't just affect Jada. It affects Will, and it might affect him more than it affects her. Because now, the 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 life that we, the person we perceive Will Smith as, is gonna crack. So you you can't just be like, oh, bring it to the forefront. Nah, it's way too deep for that. And I feel like they this there's certain things you got to keep underneath wraps, especially when it comes to intimate things like that. You don't mind talking about. You don't mind talking about flaws in terms of flaws in terms of how we treat each other, but flaws within your sexual relationship, flaws with that that come down to your your substance your 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 your, your abusive ways or your bad habits, those are harder things to crack within a marriage. 
because it changes the way you perceive a person. Because honestly, if this shit comes to be true, the way I perceive Will Smith goes through the fucking door. I can tell you that right now. I won't even look at Will the same way. I won't respect him the same way. So it's not it, just about bringing it to the forefront. It's, it's It goes a little bit deeper than that. It, do, it does kind of tarnish their legacy. I think... Uh... I think my thing with it is not only that, but I've just been raised um, and always taught that you don't kiss and tell. Like, it's okay for me to expose my own sexual whatever, but if I start saying people's names and exactly what I did to them, like if I was on a podcast dropping names and all that other shit, I personally feel like that's foul. Because that person didn't give me the blessing to do that. And he, August Alcina did say that he gave everybody a courtesy call before he got on the interview. But that doesn't necessarily mean everybody was okay with him telling whatever narrative that he told. I just think when it comes to uh, certain intimate things like that, who you having sex with, how you having sex with them, uh, unless you and that person had a real in-depth understanding that it's okay for you to go and speak about it. It's okay for this information to be out there. Um, you just kind of run a thin line. But with all that being said, there's a, a growing community of people that are beginning to call Jada a predator and say that what she did was predatory and say that August Alcina was a victim because he was 22 at the time. He was on drugs and he was dealing with the trauma of losing his brother and his sister. So Jada took advantage of all these things and had fun with him while she wanted and then dropped him like a sack of potatoes when she was done. That's I'm, the narrative that's being painted. I'm going to say this. Uh, uh, I'm going to say this. And then this next comment, the uh, of a women core base is probably not going to fuck with. I'm very nonchalant, honestly. This is probably one of the first topics on of ever in the history of doing dads and bow ties that I'm very nonchalant about. I really... I feel like we're looking into this shit way too fucking deep. I, I'm sorry, mm. y'all. We're looking into this shit way. It's really. I don't, I don't even have a joke about this topic. Like I probably would. I don't like not. I don't. I don't even know what the fuck we're talking about because we don't even know these three individuals. I don't fucking know August Alcina personally. I didn't even know that nigga was younger than all three of us on the show. I don't know Will Smith personally. I just love that nigga as an actor. I don't know Jada Pinkett Smith personally. I just like her as an actress. The moral of the story of what the fuck I'm saying is this. Who exactly made whoever the fuck is a part of this grown community, the jury and judge and the and a part of the uh and a part of the 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 the, the three branches of government to say who the fuck is predatory versus who is not. At the end of the day, I think we're running a lot off of emotions and feelings mm -hmm. and people who have been hurt by real people that were predators. Talk, talk. And now, and now. Talk those, about it, bro. And now those people are saying, hey, listen, I've got a fucking splendid idea. We're going to listen to this interview. We're going to dissect this shit. But we already know what the fuck our general consensus is going to be. Our general consensus is going to be to cancel the entire fuck out of Jada Pinkett Smith's black ass and put pressure on her to light the gas with the ignition on the stove to expose everything that we agree with to be true about what August Alcina said. Even though we don't have no receipts from her yet, even though we haven't fully heard her side of the story, 
as much as we feel like she doesn't have to. No, we need her to say her piece. Want to know why? Because the longer she waits, we're going to think it's true. And the more and more we think it's true, we're going to have more reason to believe that things were not working out. And therefore, she was, in fact, taken advantage of this young man, which I feel like if it was true, August Alcina was fucking the shit out of Jada Smith. Come on, son. Will is in his I, 50s. He was laying dick I'm, like nobody's I'm, business. I'm just going to say this, right? And I think all of us would agree to this. If any one of us has a friend, I can't believe and I just black comes like that. to me, say, hey, I'm fucking with so-and-so. They married, bro. And, you know, both of them said it's cool. I could fuck with them. What would be the first thing you would say? Off rip. Move at your own risk, bro. I don't know. Just don't That's get too f- involved. <laughs> yeah, None of yeah. us can't sit here and say yeah. we're not. I don't give a fuck how old you are. I don't give a fuck what the age difference is. That is risky, my friend. Do just know if y'all having fun, do you, bro? And this yeah. ain't going to end in your favor. Right. We want exactly. you to know that from the jump. Right. If, so, if any one of us in this room came in and said that shit, the main consensus is going to be the same thing. Yo, you know they staying together, though. You, <laughs> facts. Yeah, facts. That's the whole shit. Facts. That's what bothers me about this nigga August, bro. That's what bothers It's none of my concern. Distinguished said it right. It's none of my concern what happened in these people's life. What bothers me is when this nigga gets on national radio and act like he butt hurt because Shorty decided to fuck with her husband. And act like the love he was going to provide for her was going to be the end-all, be-all. She was supposed to leave Will Smith. $300 million Will Smith. Good guy Will Smith. For Two kids Will Smith. Two kids Will Smith. To come and run off in the woods with you, my nigga? <laughs> come on, Because you got son. a long dick? Because you got that long dick style. Summer, nah, bro, summer, she had fun. Su- summer what? blockbuster Will Smith. Summer blockbuster <laughs> Will Smith. It's like, bro, you had fun. Independence Day Will Independence Smith. Day. I said, I was telling my brother, I was like, yo, you had fun, August. Be happy, bro. You had fun. Yes, she might have been an incredible woman. I'm not debating that. You might have caught feelings. Cool. But when she decided and she told you, hey, August, it's been fun. I think we got to go our separate ways. You got to take that L, bro. The whole L. It was an L to begin with. From you, jump. There was, there was no way you could have walked out of this with grace and glory. So for the people who sitting out here talking about Jada Pinkett is a predator, no, 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 no. August knew what he was getting himself into. You're about to mess... With a married woman whose husband told you, yo, I'm cool with you fucking my wife for right now. Because that's what she wants and that's what's going to make her happy. If that is the narrative. And that's what he and that's the narrative he's painting. That's the narrative he's painting. Right. He's we saying he went to Will is. and got the blessing. Hey, hey, I, w- I went to Will and Will gave me his blessing. That's what he said no. on the interview. Right, it right, sounds right. like Will found out you were fucking his wife and he was probably just like, you know what? We into that shit anyway. I'm going to let it rock for right now if Jada is happy. I could see that being more of the situation if they I'm, really I'm going to run with this match. nigga's narrative that he painted because it's, it's more contradictory to these people who are trying to call Jada a predator and him a victim. Listen, I understand. You're saying that Jada is a much older person, so she has experience, she has knowledge, and because of those two tools, 
she can deal with someone who's much younger, someone who is in their young 20s, and she could find ways to manipulate them in certain facets. Is that generally a true statement to some extent? Sure. That an older person can manipulate a younger person? Yeah. Absolutely. But when we start to get to the point where we're calling people predators, then we are making the assumption that we know people's intent with certain situations. There, it could have very well been, if this is even a thing, that August is the one who pushed up on Jada. Like, just because Most Jada's likely. older doesn't mean that she pushed up on him, looked at him and was like, damn, yo, August is mad sexy. I can't wait to get that dick. Like, no, that, that that's the narrative y'all are painting for y'all picture. And, be, and simply because that exists, the fact that you have to paint it a certain type of way already just dismisses this claim that you're trying to make. Because I can very well see, especially because of the dynamic of men being aggressive and pursuing women, I can very well see August getting comfortable with Jada. Maybe Will is off doing movies for months at a time. August is the only nigga in the house. The kids is out doing whatever the fuck they do. And August being like, yo, Jada, like, you're you're the girl of my dreams. And Jada being like, let's go. I'm just going with his narrative. Jada being like, you know what? August, if you really trying to have something happen, I'm going to let you know right now. You got to go talk to Will. And if you talk to Will, just understand that this is this is just going to be a private thing between us. And that's that. And August falling in love, falling, catching feelings, whatever. And it going left from there. Now. In terms of him being sick, in terms of him dealing with trauma, in terms of him dealing with death, I can get that that could make somebody vulnerable. My only counter to that is every single one of us deals with trauma on an every single day basis. And I'm not and I'm not downplaying his trauma and everybody responds to trauma differently. So I'm not saying that he may not have been in a vulnerable space. What I am saying, though, is you cannot put the onus on Jada as if she manipulated him because he was in a vulnerable space. If if I'm dealing with trauma and I meet a girl today and I'm interested in her and I'm attracted to her and she's like, oh, you want a date? And I'm like, yeah. And she has a million dollars. And I'm like, shit, I'm a date this millionaire. Fuck. Like, I don't know where this might go. But she's a millionaire and that that's attractive and appealing to me in lieu of the fact that Jade is a bigger star than than August. I'm, I'm making that equation. All right, cool. I'm a fuck with her. And then I still haven't dealt with my trauma, though. So maybe my emotions towards her are a little off center. Maybe she's showing me kindness, but I'm taking the kindness as love. Or maybe she's doing nice things because she has a million dollars. So she's like, oh. Your car broke down, I'm going to buy you a new one. Because to her, buying a car ain't shit. That's nothing at drop, this point in her life. That's she nothing. could drop 15000 on a $15, on car uh, and be like, yo, hold that down. And, and you, I take that as, oh, shit, she's in love. And you're still missing one foundational element, bro. She's married to a nigga worth $100 million. I ain't even I ain't even trying to go down that route. I'm just going <laughs> off of the off of the off of the sense off the basic sense of trauma. If I don't deal with my trauma and this chick, but I tell her about it, I tell her like, yo, I was on drugs, 
yo, my last girlfriend like really traumatized me. But me and her are dating. Is there a possibility she's taking the information and going, oh, I can manipulate him? Sure. That's anybody could do that. But is that the reality? No, because she may see that and be like, yo, I got to be extra careful about how I deal with homeboy because so many people didn't hurt him. Da da da. I want to be there for him. And then things still just not work out between us. And and that's the reality of the situation. Just because she's older doesn't make her a predator, doesn't mean she had malintent. Just because he was traumatized doesn't make him a victim automatically. He had trauma not from Jada. He had trauma from other shit he was dealing Facts. with, and yet he still decided to engage in a romantic situation with somebody. Now, again, there are scenarios, and I, I'm glad Distinguished said that earlier. There are scenarios where people are traumatized and don't realize when they're being re-traumatized by somebody else. And I think that those are part of the people that are in that population that are like, no, August is a victim. But unless August calls himself a victim, and and even then now, I would feel like he's playing off of what's happening. Yeah, but I unless definitely he would feel himself, like Unless he called himself a victim, because he has never said that. He's never said it. And he has never... Never said that Jada took advantage of him. Mm -hmm. All he said that he was in love and he experienced the love he never felt before. Uh And that when it ended, it felt like he died. Right. It felt like a piece of him died. Right. And my question is, at any point in that conversation, did he say me and her experience a love together? Nope. No, no, no. At so the entire point of this, this nigga said I. But his words, and though. And that's part of the problem. His that's words. The, that's the problem. His words flow. What I heard, and I could be wrong. What I heard was after he said that he got his blessings from Will Smith, he, to me... And this has nothing to do with sex. To me, it sounded as if all three of them was in a relationship, but he was in a relationship sexually with Jada. That's how it. That's how I I interpreted it. Like it's him, Will Smith, and Jada. They're all in consensus that this is the relationship that we all have. But you have a sexual relationship with my wife. The only relationship I have with you, August, is that I'm acknowledging that you have a relationship with my wife sexually. But you're not really with my wife. I'm with my wife, nigga. You're with us. So we're taking care of you. You don't take care of us. You can't but take like, care that's of us. That's like what I told you earlier. Right. He, you're invited into that's, this situation. That's what it is. Yeah. So now the, now the one place where they would have fucked up, and I will put the onus on Jada and Will, is if there was a blurred line between we're here to support you through your addiction we're here to support you through your trauma. And in the same breath, Jada is like, but I'm fucking the shit out of you. Because that that line can get blurred if they're, they're happening simultaneously. If you are telling somebody you're going to help them out mentally, but at the same time you're, you're trying to engage in a relationship, that can get muddied and that can be fucked up. And that's the reason why they always tell you to separate business and pleasure and thing like, things of that nature because they can overlap. You could want a favor. You could you could think that me helping you get over trauma also means I'm showing you love to a deeper degree. But I'm showing you that you don't have to deal with this trauma this way. And those things could get mixed up. And that could be how he fell in, in love in the first place. I can see that being a scenario where they would have to take some ownership if they were playing both roles. Well, August Alcina 
I think some of the wording that he also used was he devoted his entire life to that woman. If I'm not, he said something along those lines. August words. said a lot of shit. He said a lot that of wild me, shit. I was like, Whoa. he He said a lot of shit that made me feel like he developed feelings that weren't there. Yeah. He, like, he, and what I mean by that is it wasn't mutual. No, like he, she didn't feel that way. No. Like she was doing probably, this is part of one of my interpretations. One of my interpretations is she was doing things that came naturally to her in forms of dealing with somebody. Let's like say him. that he's like he's he's telling the truth. So like he's just treating her. She's treating him like she normally treats somebody that maybe she's dealing with. So whatever that is and the trauma that that August has dealt with, this shit was all new to him. So maybe like she was the first time somebody kissed him on the forehead. And he never felt the explosion of emotions that he got the first time he got kissed on his forehead. And from that, he took it like, yo, this woman is showing me a love and has to be in love with me on the deepest level possible. But for her, she kissed all her side pieces on the forehead. It ain't no thing. Before before you go further too, bro, it just came into my mind just now. August Asena is a a rich up-and-coming R&B star, right? This could also be the first time he's dealt with a woman that he don't got to go out of his way for. Yeah. Because there's nothing that he could do for her besides pleasure her. That's it. Keep her company. That's it. And it mean, and it's like, it's a different type of feeling when, like X said, this could be all natural things to Jada. She might just be a loving, and she seems that way. She just seems like a very caring person in general. Jada doesn't seem like the type to be much of a, a malicious type of person, even though when her and Will went through her things, it still seems as if though it is just, you know, she went through her personal things, but on a regular day, she doesn't seem like the type that's like doing wild, unnecessary things. She just seems like a naturally caring person. So mm-hmm. like what X said, I think a part of them being in that little situation, she was probably the person he leaned on when he was going through that trauma and her just being nice and trying to be there for him provided a support system for him. One that he never had to worry about doing anything back for her. Right. Or maybe because she never asked for it. So at the end of the day, if she's going now and telling, well, oh man, you know, August is going through so much. I just feel so bad for him. And now he's just like, well, you know, whatever situation may be, I'm just, you know, making an assumption. He could have been like, yeah, you know, he just being nice himself or being aware of the fact that him and that August and Jada might be having something going on and just being nice himself. But as he starts to realize August is getting too involved, at some point he was probably just like, yo, Jada, I think August is really starting to fall for you. How do you feel about him? And as a married dude myself, if I'm talking to a shorty, I might like her. And I might, yeah, you know, if I'm having an affair and I might like this chick, oh, cool, we we be talking. I might like you and I might still do things for you. But there's no comparison to my wife. And when wifey said it's time to dip, especially if wifey's aware of it, and wifey comes and be like, yo, y'all are getting a little too close. Y'all need to clip that. That's still my wife. Time for me to dip. It's over for that. <laughs> it's over for that. And Shorty just has to understand that, yo, it was fun. So August just has to come to a reality. All right, you fell in love. 
nobody can nobody could um nobody could judge your feelings but at the same time where he's fucking up is not respecting the other side of the fence and coming out here acting as if though jd and will did him something wrong when you got involved in a situation that you know you should have been in in the first place and you probably made an agreement with them in the be in the first place yeah, like the in the beginning place. There was an agreement set. I don't care what nobody say. There had to be an agreement set. Had to be, bro. If if all of this is is true, and so and then the final thing is, everybody has to stop talking about this. Like, oh, he. We always tell black men they need to be more emotional, but then when August is emotional, people are clowning him. Nobody's clowning him for his emotions. I want everybody to understand that. that. Is like, a no. Fact. Bl- Nobody's clowning him because he's an em- he's being emotional. Nah, people I'm are just you. not. Nah, yeah, go ahead, pe- X. I'm sorry. People people are just not okay with how he's going about it, especially with the timing of the the release of the new project. the The timing of oh, I'm gonna put all this business out there now, and the fact that we all know that if this scenario did happen, like I just said, there was an agreement set. And you are violating the terms of the agreement. Like you are violating the privacy clause that you signed when you got when you downloaded the app. Facts. Like you you're violating the shit. And I can't personally I'm listening to you and I understand the hurt and the pain. We've all been in love and the person didn't love us back. Or we all been in love and it shit didn't didn't work out the way we wanted it to. And that shit is hurtful and it's painful. And I understand it. But again, as everybody's pointing out, you fell in love with a married woman in a in a particular situation and it didn't end the way you thought it was. And it's funny because he's not he's never putting out how he thought it should have ended. That's my I was going to literally ask you. I don't know what he thought the end was going to be, bro. What did he expect the end result of this to be? I think that's on purpose because if he exposes, yeah, I thought Jada was going to leave Will, and I was I was trying to facilitate that. Now you a fuckboy, but you're not saying that. Blatantly trying to break up a marriage. (laughs) So what what are we getting to right now? How how is he a victim? One and two. What were you trying to get out of this, bro? And three, what if you saw you? I don't. I just don't know how he thought this would have really panned out. You're, you got into a situation <laughs> that both the both sides of the fence. Not only Jada, so he wasn't just creeping with Jada. Her husband was aware of the fact that y'all were fucking. Where do you think this is going to go? You think he was going to be like, you know what, bro? You fuck my wife so much more better than me. I think you should be with her, bro. It's okay. Yeah, I'm I'm about to pack up the kids. Pack up the kids and <laughs> you, you can keep Jada, the house. I'm gonna buy you a beach house. Cause you you fuck her that good. So I'm gonna buy you a beach house. <laughs> and y'all could go live somewhere in Malibu, man. I'll visit. I'll visit y'all. <laughs> wow. Oh man. So oh, man. um Iran has banned TikTok. They said, fuck that. We know what TikTok <laughs> is. We finna to ban y'all niggas from, from using this shit. Is TikTok the first step in this Iran, I mean, in this conversation about tech warfare? Because a lot of people are saying that TikTok is nothing but an insurgent app used by the Chinese government. You download it and it asks for a lot of information. 
that a lot of these apps do, but obviously from the U.S. Uh, and other places where they have been developed, there's a, there's more laws about privacy and exposing information and liability. And in China, the app is part of the government, so those laws and culpabilities are not the same. So are we looking at TikTok as being... Because there's a lot of people in the U.S. who have who have blown the whistle and said that it is an insurgent app. It is something that's just nothing but data collection for China. Um, but for a government to say, nah, fuck that. I mean, obviously, that's up and down. There's certain apps that are banned in other places for nefarious reasons. But for Iran to be like, nah, we think TikTok is up to some shit. Are we looking at, like, tech warfare right now? I mean, I guess. I mean, I don't have TikTok. I don't plan on getting TikTok. I think TikTok is dope from what I've seen people be able to do on it and get extra creative. Um, but yeah, all these apps ask you mad personal questions. All these apps, the number one question that the apps, the number one question that the app asks you about your privacy is, are they allowed to sync your contacts? Are they allowed to um, get access to your photo? Are they allowed to get access to your camera? And then some of these apps even ask you um, access to your banking information. So yeah, I mean, and your mic. Yeah. So and your listen, mic, which it, TikTok definitely does. It's to be expected. I mean, at the end of the day, we're taking we're taking a risk on fucking Zoom. Like, so, you know. I mean, our, our biggest risk is the platform we use the most, which is Facebook. Which is Facebook, so, correct. And Facebook, you know, Facebook doesn't even actually fall out of information. If, 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 I'm, if I'm remembering correctly, Facebook, I think now when you're creating certain, like, if you're not creating a regular Facebook page, they may ask you to, like, present government ID. Like, I know for my like page... I had to present government ID like two years ago because I think they said they um they they needed more information on on who on on who or what distinguished was and I had to show them literally my ID. Yeah, I think um, I mean it's a hard conversation. All apps do the same thing, and like X said, the 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 way the app is governed and what what country the governing falls under obviously determines how much information you could because obviously. Mark Zuckerberg got taken to court for these similar things because the con of the situation that happened with Facebook ciphering information and selling it off for government and yeah, for Facebook purposes. got sued nine billion dollars so, last year. Um, and right now Facebook is going through a, a situation right now too. And my conspiracy and the me just like they they got beef with the upper people up in the world because they lost like fifty something. How much was it? I think it was. It it was a good chunk of money that they lost the other day. Mm-hmm. I think it was like fifty something billion dollars because they said Mark Zuckerberg himself lost like seven billion dollars. Shit, mm-hmm. they took a major L because a lot of companies pulled out their advertising. So, oh yeah, that was because of the uh, he refuses to uh, acknowledge hate speech on the platform. Yeah, so he lost. I think it was like fifty. It was either thirty something billion or fifty something billion, but it was a extraordinary amount of money that the company lost. And um, Facebook right there does it, but TikTok in particular, because it's ran by the Chinese government, and they have within that governmental system, they have the right to do that because that's the way their laws are set up, which is cipher information to use it for the purpose of the government. The problem is that a lot of countries are fearing that they might use these things to influence elections and influence, you know, different things like that because they could sell information. They could sell who people are into, 
what they what they're most likely what they're, they're it's like targeting you're doing targeting marketing you you could influence someone to vote for somebody by you know what they want to search for and all this extra shit so yeah i think it's it's a step towards it but it's hard because popularity and it's already too popular in the u.s it's definitely very popular um and they're not going to change what they're doing they're not <sighs> Distinguish your main man academics was in the news this week uh, because he got banned from complex uh, two episodes of everyday struggle. He got he got banned or he got suspended. He got suspended, which is similar. The same thing. Okay. Um, he got he got suspended for calling Chrissy Teigen a bitch. I have no idea why he called her. a Yeah, bitch. I don't know why he called her a bitch either. I'm I'm that part I'm lost on. Everything else I've I've listened to that that part I'm I don't know. He's gone back and forth with Meek Mill. I definitely saw that. Um, I think it, it was either, I think it was Freddie Gibbs that he also was going back and forth with. Um, About what? Two weeks ago. Just calling him a, a bitch-ass nigga and he got more money than him <laughs> type of situation. <laughs> um, <laughs> so my thing is, Freddie Gibbs, first of all, Chrissy Teigen is a bigger thug than academics. Freddie Gibbs is definitely. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna see if it's Freddie. Make sure that we're not giving <laughs> false information. Um, <laughs> but my thing is, what what is this fucking thing about being an internet thug? And you know, you're not about that life. Like what? I I just don't understand what type of time frame we live in, where people do this internet thug shit. Um, they start cursing at niggas. They do all this other extra shit. And then they get upset when niggas, like, is really about that shit. Like, Meek Mill, you could call him a clown or whatever. But you keep going back and forth with him and you end up in the same space. It's going to be a hard day for you, academics. <laughs> like, you're not behind a computer screen no more. So, I don't know. I want your thoughts on that, bro. So... I, I've been listening to academics before be, 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 before we started that has some bow ties. I've been listening to academics before we even uh, became friends, actually. So I'm talking long time. Um, academics has always been very interesting in how he um, puts together his stories. He's probably one of the most consistent fucking people to ever be on YouTube with his hit the run that he has. Because it took him years to build the following that he has. And I, I don't think it wasn't until he got on... Um, complex and everyday struggle where he officially like was solidified in terms of this nigga actually is a media personality and niggas niggas got to give him credit niggas got to give him respect even if you don't like him got to give him something because the nigga been building this shit since god knows when in terms of the internet thug situation i love meek i like what meek has been doing since he's been out of prison well been out of jail um because he's still in the system but the the issue the issue that he had with or the issue that he has with academics i kind of agree with academics i i feel like at some point when somebody who honestly really and truly meek is not in a position to cancel academic online because the internet almost fucking canceled meek mill for the whole back-to-back -back situation for the whole Nicki minaj situation um and meek almost got canceled um it wasn't until meek went back to fucking jail and then Drake fucking tweeted out free Meek. And it's it's funny because when Drake was like free Meek, now we in the future. What is the name of the documentary series on Amazon? Free Meek. 
bringing it back to academics. Um, academics' issue with Meek Mill is that Meek Mill, for, you know, lack of uh, more words, Meek Mill can come off as a bully. Meek Mill has bullied niggas online. Meek Mill has said some bullying comments. Um, and I feel like in Academics' defense, Academics was like, fuck that. I'm not getting bullied no more by this nigga trying to bully me. And when I was well, reading the comments, there was a lot of people that was like, they fuck with Meek, generally speaking. But they was like, they also see where Academics is coming from because Meek Mill has been saying shit to Academics that Academics really hasn't like touched on. So I feel like, we have like, do we have a problem with academics standing up for himself, or do we have a problem with what he said in his defense for standing up for himself? Because he made a lot of good points about people that's around Meek Mill, um, and academics did call a few names, and I had to research who he's really talking about. And I was like, this nigga has some validity in some of his points. Make, make some the only thing, I, the only thing I say is is Meek is trying to cancel academic because. He feels like academics is not good for the culture. He feels like academics has been out here fanning the flames of beefs and getting people to go at each other, putting up uh, and promoting like the different things that happen in Chicago. If two are if two rappers are fighting against one another, academics is the first one to, to put a video together and and make the beef become public or put the beef on on social media platforms which then adds numbers to it. So Meek's whole argument as of late um, has been, and I know we all know that Meek really doesn't like academic because he still fucks with 6ix9ine. Six, six, right, right. But, but Meek's problem as of late has been, yo, academics has been a bit of a cancer to hip-hop culture, which I can't disagree with him to some extent. Like, I, I won't go maybe... I'm not going to say I can't go as far. He... Ac- both sides of them, because you can easily flip the coin on Meek and say, well, your music promotes certain shit that is bad for black culture and hip-hop culture. So you can flip the shit, but I do think that academic has to kind of reevaluate what he's doing and why he's doing it. Because are you, getting, are, you, are you more concerned about clicks than you are about beefs and where those can end up, where somebody ends up dying or shot or killed? So, like, I think that that message makes sense to put out there, but both of them have have something to say on each side of the coin. Um, I think, too, at the end of the day, we don't do it because obviously we have our own style on how we bring the news. This is the news or what is being discussed amongst people who generally listen to a podcast like us. So we're, we're just bringing them information that they already know. They just... They're basically coming to us not to necessarily regurgitate. They just want our motherfucking opinion and a few jokes and a few shits and giggles here and there. Um, so Thanks. we basically do the same thing academics does. However, I feel like I guess the general consensus is he's just bad for the culture of hip hop because the way that he discusses the news or the way that he presents it, it's like he wants to keep the fuckery in heavy rotation and he's not fully addressing like how the fuckery is really fucking shit up or how it's been fucking shit up. It's like he is here to let you know, yo, because there's fuckery here, not only am I going to promote it, but this fuckery is actually going to bring more people to my page. So as long as y'all niggas is doing dumb shit like this, I'm not going to really say I'm here for it or not here for it. I'm going to just discuss it. And 
I'm going to always promote it in a way that it is going to be deemed as this is what you guys like. And I've, I've heard him say this countless times. Hey, listen, don't shoot the messenger. I'm just reporting what you guys like. You said that multiple times. And that's the difference. I think we're responsible with our platform, or at least we try to be to some extent. Yeah, yeah, We're yeah, not always we going to get it right. Correct. But we try, we try to be as responsible as possible. And with him, it doesn't seem like that all the time. It seems like, just like you said, sometimes he's just throwing shit out there and it'd be shit nobody's even aware of. And it'd be like, yo, Chief Keith and 6 9 got beef. Um, and and 6 9 said he going to O-Town this morning. And so now you got Chief Keith's people like, oh, where are he going to O-Town? All right, cool. We about to pull up. And they go pull up. And then this nigga 6 9 does a video, which happened at 4 in the morning, dips out when nobody's there. And now you got academics taking that video and then posting that, knowing damn well that 6ix9ine did that at whatever time in the morning, right. was never going to be there. And you're just fueling this beef when, in actuality, 6ix9ine could end up getting shot and killed by somebody who's really, really bad about it, who might have was up at 4 a.m. and saw the nigga and was like, oh, word, it's about to be on and popping. So you're kind of fueling and you're kind of part of dictating how these beefs go. Um, as opposed to, like you said, just putting it out there and maybe adding an opinion about where what's happening and what it does for the culture. I don't think I I, I rarely see academic really take a I want to I would say a responsible stance on some shit. So I guess my question for you two would be and I'm going to just um, rephrase or paraphrase something that. Charlemagne the God said when he was pressed on in, in public on a syndicated show, Breakfast Club, when Baby came up there with like 15 niggas. And Charlemagne basically said, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, why you didn't have this same energy when Rick Ross was around you or when you know, or when you could have pulled up on Rick Ross? Why attack the, the radio personality? Why attack me? Why? And if we're doing dad hats and bow ties. And we're giving the news about some shit that happened. And we had like either a rapper come on the show and we were discussing some shit that happened. And the rapper did some shit like, baby, I'm keeping it a thousand. I'm going to say the same shit to the rapper in the motherfucking office. I'm going to say the same shit. Don't don't press the, the personality, nigga. I'm just asking why you have the same energy for these other rappers. Because truth be told, one of the things that Academic did say that I was like, he got a point there. You're going to give me this energy because I'm academics and you're Meek Mill. But Meek, you ain't give this energy to Big Zoo. You didn't give this energy to Big Zoo. So why are you giving this energy to me? And to me, that's a point that needs to be taken into consideration when we're talking about how far people that's delivering news is going versus hood niggas that's doing shit. And you are deemed and considered a hood nigga. But when a hood nigga do some shit, you don't give that nigga the same energy. I have a problem with that personally yeah I, I get that point i just don't believe that narrative that he didn't he didn't give the same energy to big zoo because from the the video that i saw he was like trying to at least this was my interpretation when it came out was that he was trying to keep it peaceful between nikki and big zoo and big zoo was the one who wanted to turn the shit sideways and turn it into a a, a altercation so if your intention is to keep things calm and then the nigga like starts making it trying to go make it go left, I'm not necessarily saying you're not having the same energy. It'd be different if you was getting rah-rah with Nikki and then then homeboy pulls up 
and then now all of a sudden you quiet. Like in my opinion, that to to me there's a difference there. Um, but with academics, it's already like you on go time, and it's not like we don't think Meek is not not built like that because we've seen him pull up on Safari, we've seen him stomp out Safari. That was on tape, so we know that he had that type of energy. I also feel like Meek ain't even on that type of time. He's not really trying to fight academics or get academics lined. I think he's just kind of <clears throat> bringing something to light, and they don't like each other. So it's like a matter of he don't fuck with him, so he's saying it in a way where you know he doesn't fuck with him. At the end of the day, though, what academics has done and what 6 9 have done in terms of exposing the hypocrisy of it um, really goes to the underlying factor of exposing the hypocrisy of hip-hop culture as it is right now. Okay. But they're also just looking for the next hot take. So we're not even going to dismiss that either. So that's a academics fact. is just looking for the next hot take. And Takashi 669, we already know, is all about the cooning. So Yeah, yeah. Listen, you know, like, we also got to call those... We got also got to look at the people those people for who they are. So I think Meek is at, at a point right now he's trying to restructure his image and try to restructure how people perceive him. So at the end of the day, I think, at the end of the day, he's not trying to be out here saying, yo, the next time I see you, I'm going to smack the shit out of you. But he's going to call you out on your bullshit. I just feel like, you know, academics knows how to knows how to hype things up. He's good at it. He's been doing it for years. He knows how to bring the news. And he knows how to make people perceive things a certain way. So let's not forget about that. But, hey, it is what it is, man. You know, it, people just got to realize that when you're a gossip columnist or you're, you're bringing news to people that you can't be mad at that person because they're just bringing the information out. So that's just how that's that goes, too. It's a fact. Um, speaking of news, Sunday, uh, many states experienced a spike in violence over the 4th of July weekend. Uh, 48 people were shot in New York. 10 died. Uh, so what do we think is going on here? Because I know I'm not the biggest conspiracy person, but I do feel like ever since the police have been called out about their bullshit, they've internalized that to mean we're not going to really do nothing and we're going to let shit rock. And I feel like they're doing that to prove a point. Uh yeah, I feel Facts, I feel bro. Yeah, I feel like I feel like the police are trying to do this to prove a point. But the other part of it too is every I wanna say almost every year, at least for New York, almost every major holiday in New York City, there's always a killing, there's always a shooting. Nobody should be alarmed there. Okay? Even our listeners, nobody should be alarmed. We can, I can name almost every major holiday that happens in New York City that we actually celebrate as a city. Somebody's going to get shot. Somebody. Now, somebody's, that's, I guess that's a bonus. Somebody getting shot, somebody going to die. That's just what happens. In terms of 40 people getting shot in New York and 10 dying, I mean, I'm not, personally, I'm not surprised. I do feel like, in my opinion, that there has been an increase in a firework activity in New York State alone. Fireworks happen every fucking day. I didn't hear none yet, but I know when I get ready to go to work, I'm going to hear some because I did hear some yesterday. And the fourth and the fourth Fourth has been over since two days. Fourth of July was bad, bro. They started like five in the evening by me, bro. And then it stopped until four in the morning. Right. 
And I, I think what X said was a, a very important thing, though. To, I think the police are out to prove a point, which is wild to me because I don't see how it goes from, nigga, we're not saying that you can't go out and police. We're saying that when you see us black people doing what we do, rather than running up on us and trying to automatically assume that you have to go to the worst case scenario, how about you try just to, just to, you know, calmly resolve the situation? Instead, they go to the further step and say, hey, well, if y'all don't want us around here, we ain't got to come up and do nothing, period. So what are we paying y'all for then? Because they cut a billion dollars from y'all budget, but y'all still getting five billion from the city. So I don't get it. So now, because they cut one, they cut a, a, a sixth of your budget, you feel as if though you don't got to do nothing at all now? So that's how you prove your point, by not doing nothing at all? When the point of this whole, whole particular thing was that you don't do too much? <laughs> Anyways, Facts. It's, it's an interesting thing, but that's besides the point. Like I said a few episodes back, I don't know what memo got sent out, I don't know if it was the hood nigga memo. I don't know. It's not even a hood nigga thing. It's just every neighborhood everywhere in the city. A memo got sent. It skipped our phones. I don't know. And, and everybody and was just like. 36 boxes of fireworks got delivered to. Got, where are they getting the fireworks hey. from? That's what I'm trying to figure out. Like, where are y'all getting these fireworks from? I don't even know where to go buy these shits. I don't know where to go. And y'all not going to tell me uh, fucking 3,000 niggas went out to philadelphia to buy fireworks because that's the only place you're supposed to be able to get Facts. them that's close enough to new york and then uh, drove back down drove and back just down. been popping shit off six since covid 19 six 60 vans went out to philly and were just like we're gonna fill this shit up and we're gonna flood the city <laughs> with this shit bro you finna show these niggas what's up how sway how like, this shit worse than the crack ep- epidemic I- i'm God just like damn. how some cats just say yo you can find this shit as costco's all of a sudden all of a sudden. Definitely couldn't find no Costco shit in New York before. Before. So, no year prior to this, niggas didn't have fireworks. All of a sudden, Black Lives Matter shit happens. The pandemic happens. And all of a sudden, fireworks is everywhere for you to be found. Niggas couldn't even pop fireworks. Like, every year they popped it. Let me not say no. I'm not going to say that they weren't popping Nah, but the fireworks. cops would be at your block in two minutes. In two, And even at that point, they like they will let it rock Fourth of July, but at some point they're gonna be like, "All right, y'all done had your fun. Shut this shit down." Every night for the past six weeks, bro. Every single night, at least for three hours, cats is busting fireworks. Where are y'all getting these fireworks from? <laughs> Niggas is getting a re up. Like, the, like where, bro, bro? Literally on Fourth of July, bro. From every direction, bro. North, south, east, and west, south by southwest. They were busting fireworks, bro. I was just like, what's going on? I, we could barely even, like, it got so bad, bro. It's it's really, the smoke was, this, you could really start to smell the smoke. And you yeah, could the see the smoke. Terrible. You could see it. Like, it was crazy. I'm just like, where are these cats getting all these fireworks, bro? Well, like, right. speaking of, we have now entered a new phase of black lives matter that i know white people have been fearing but y'all and put it on yourself 
the formulation of the not fucking around coalition. That's the name of the group. Like, is that the real name? The name. That's the name of the group. That's the, the real name of the group. The real name of the group is the not fucking around coalition. This is not good. This, this ain't good. It, the not fucking around coalition is a group of uh, black armed uh, militia. Because I will not call them protesters. Because y'all need to realize that shit is different, differentiated. And I'm not opposed to the not fucking around. Let me not. Let me be clear. I fuck with these niggas. But basically, what they are is kind of like a re-envisioned Black Panther unit. And their stance and commitment is that they are no longer standing by and tolerating the killing of black people by white people or black people. So what they did was over the weekend on the 4th of July, they, um, they unified and they marched to Stone Mountain, which is a known KKK place. They occupied it. Everybody was armed. Everybody was wearing all black. And I'm talking about shotguns. I'm talking about almost assault rifles, mm. semi-automatic looking shits. Mm. And they they had a microphone and they screamed, we in your house, where y'all at? Wow. So, so <laughs> wow. They, they said they're going to travel around and uh, in places, I guess, where oppression is really prevalent. They're going to be there as like an armed guard. And it, there were estimates of 300, I mean, 400 to 3,000 of them um, that were marching around. They have been building so, this for a while. If there was almost three, 4,000, bro, they've been building this not just now, for years. And they finally looked like they got it together. Everybody got their gun license. Everybody was trained in military combat. Everybody knows certain laws. And everybody knows where to fuck, where to, where, where to go to start to occupy. So at some point, there's going to be a chapter in New York. I can just predict that. It, at some point, it's going to be a chapter in New York. I respect it. I respect it. You got to let, at, at at some point, you got to let them know that as much of us are peaceful, there's some of us that are militant. And we're militant beyond shooting each other on the block. Just understand that. <laughs> That's a fact. I think that I think that this is a very necessary component I know that it kind of promotes violence to some extent, but again, they're not talking about shooting first. So it's necessary because for far too long, ever since there was the divide between Martin Luther King and Malcolm X, and everybody decided to demonize Malcolm X because he said, yo, to teach a black man to just continuously get beat and not fight back is as bad as a you know, another form of oppression and everybody demonize them for saying that. But that's the reality. If you, I'm sorry, if I send my child to school every day and he's getting beat up by the same bully and the first time they go is little scratches on his arm. The next time he goes there, he got a busted lip. The next time it's a black eye. And I didn't told him to do everything peaceful from jump. I told him to tell the teacher. I didn't spoke with the parents and this shit is still happening. Eventually, I have to teach my son how to defend himself. Otherwise, I'm doing it. If I know how to teach him to defend himself, otherwise, I'm doing him a disservice because I'm not always going to be there. And obviously, this kid is not getting whatever direction the kid, the teachers maybe are unaware, whatever it is. At some point, I have to teach him to defend himself. I don't have to teach him to beat the shit out of the kid, but I have to teach him that somehow to get the bully off of him to shake him off. 
And at some so point, the same thing. if the kid can't defend himself, you're going to start telling Cousin Louie, yo, look out for your cousin when you go to school, man. Because that's are getting fucked up. And Cousin Louie going to come <laughs> and not say nothing. The bully breeds on his cousin. He's going to punch the bully in the mouth. Right in the mouth. Right in the mouth. Talking about if you do it again, I'm going to kick you in the chin. Listen. Not not everything <laughs> is a Naruto moment, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Talk no jutsu don't work. Like, <laughs> like, like that shit is just in the cartoons and the movies. Facts. So like there's sometimes where you could rationally talk to somebody, and then there's other times where a nigga's swinging on you and you blocking, but after a while, the nigga got too close to your nose and you like, yo, the only thing I could do is lay this nigga the fuck out. And that's, that's my it. only option. That's <laughs> like, so like what you want me to do? Day, I don't know what they thought was gonna happen, but this is exactly a part of me is just like this is exactly what the white people want because they want an excuse to say, "Look at them, they're mil- look at what they're doing right now, look at what they're doing." But white people, I don't know, man, y'all have a bad habit of looking past the silly shit y'all other people, the other counterparts do. Y'all have a horrible habit of doing that shit. Y'all gonna look at whatever the fuck everybody else doing and not be concerned what the silly shit y'all are doing. I don't know like- why, but they love doing that shit. Like the attempted lynching in Bloomington, Alabama. So there's Facts. a video in circulating the in the woods. Black man was with some uh, white people and they were going to see the lunar eclipse and some racist uh, Confederate flag bearing white men approached them and grabbed the black man, tried to tie him to a tree or hold him to a tree, told their friends to go get a noose. And attempted to lynch him. They beat him up. They were punching him. But as as the black man explains it, he wasn't really affected as much as they wanted him to be. They pulled out his hair. And it was five of them jumping on him. So it's like, this is happening today. And y'all want us, y'all, y'all really want to look us in the eye and tell us that we are post-racial. <laughs> like... Like, like racism doesn't exist or there's only small amounts of people. There are literally places that black people will not go to for fear of being lynched. Right. This being one of them. So you can't tell me that there's no racism if I'm afraid to go to a state and have my car break down because if I break down in the wrong town, I might not make it home. And that in this current day and age is insane. Or just watching the other shit with 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 another Karen and Steve playing over the Black Lives Matter. Yeah, like yeah. for what? For what? And I knew that was coming. Like, I knew that I, shit was. I knew it was gonna happen too, son. But I'm just, are you that hot and bothered? And you know what's crazy, son? Me and Tiff is watching it. And I'm like, why isn't there no police? This is happening in Washington, down right the street, in front of the cap of the White House, and there's no police. Nobody called the police. They're not there. And it's it only everybody else yelling, don't do that. It took one girl trying to turn up and everybody else watching. I'm just like, that's kind of interesting to me. That is very interesting to me. But, hey, you know, I knew it was going to come to that point. And, like, I, I, I feel like we're, we're, we're getting to a point thing i don't know my brothers i i have a, a very and i've been saying this shit for a while we're gonna come to, we're gonna go through a very dark time 
because it doesn't seem like Corona is going to let us out of its grasp. And I could tell you this shit right now, when the second wave really turns around and spins around again, shit is going to get hectic. I, I feel it in my gut. It's going to be colder. It's going to be colder when it get hectic, too. It's going to be it's gonna be a whole different yeah. season. It's going to be another. It's going to be fall moving into winter. People are going to be tense. And unfortunately, our president isn't trying to make shit easier or make things calmer. So, hey, man, I can only hope for the best. Just prepare yourselves. Corona, I mean... Corona and Kanye West, that's really what it is, because Kanye West is out here tweeting that he's going to run for presidency for 2020. There's no evidence that he's even able to do that, but I just, listen, people, like I've, I've been saying, people really need to start having an honest conversation with themselves about Kanye West and his mental state. Nobody wants to really talk about it in the truality of what's going on, but the fact that he even put that tweet out says a lot to me. He put out two new songs this weekend. Uh, one was Ty Dolla Sign, and he was on it, and it sounded secular. It didn't sound non-secular, as he's been saying he he was going. He didn't curse on it, but he alluded to curses, and he was talking about like really interesting themes after he said that he would only be doing gospel from now on. Even Wash Us in the Blood doesn't sound... It, it has gospel undertones, but it doesn't sound very gospel. Kanye West is struggling with rediscovering who he is as a human being. And that's really how I see it. Kanye West wants to be the old Kanye West, but he is trying to um, go this um, Christian route and he's trying to find a balance. Kanye, just be the Kanye West that we liked. Can a young nigga get money? Like, we want that Kanye back. That's the Kanye West that we want back. This... This Kanye West, Jesus is King, I feel like that was just a moment in time. That was just an album, great album, great moment in time. Um, Your uh, Soulful Sundays, a great moment in time. And now it's time to be realistic about who it is that you are supposed to be. Because I'm going to predict, I feel like I already predicted it already. I'm going to say this shit again. If Kanye is really serious about this 2020 situation, um, Kanye is looking at divorce papers, and he's going to be a divorcee in a few months. Um, that's number one. Number two, um, the new song, Washed, Washes in His Blood, I listened to it. Yes, the record is very secular. Yes, he didn't curse. Um, the record gave me undertones of this gospel um, theme, but it, it sounded like, it's going to be on the radio if it's not already on the radio. And it's going to sound like it's going to be a single off of his new album. Um, because that, that if you're releasing two records, you're getting us ready for another album. I didn't listen to the drum, but Ty Dolla Sign. But having... It's, it, the, the second one is Ty Dolla Sign's song featuring Kanye. Okay, so still... So the contradiction is this. Anybody who is in the gospel rap Christian world... um should understand this because at some point in my life back in like 2010 i used to be on some gospel shit heavy used to be rapping christian raps and all that you have to make a decision it's either you're going to be murder mace or you're going to be pastor mace you can't be both you can't be shoot him up mace from harlem and then be pastor 
Mace Betha in the church. Kanye West, you have to choose. Mace realized the Christian route was not for him. He did one album. He had a congregation. He became a pastor. And then he was like, nigga, I'm back on my murder shit. I'm back. I'm back on my murder shit. I'm sorry. I, I can't walk this walk. Jesus, you're going to have to meet me no longer on the pulpit. You're going to have to meet me in a strip club. And that's what the fuck Mace did. Kanye West? Kanye's confused because Kanye is trying to lead and live this Christian rap life and still be cool with his rap secular friends. It ain't going to work, Kanye. You can't do a record um, like Washers in His Blood and still have Travis Scott on the record. Travis Scott is, does not identify as a Christian rapper. You can't still be doing music with Ty Dolla Sign and Ty Dolla Sign is not considered a Christian artist. Want to know why? Because niggas is going to pull your card and say, you can't find a defining silver lining in separating yourself from this world, Kanye. Your whole career was built on, built on secular music. Your entire career. So now for us to get mad at him for not making a distinction so fast, now we need to give that brother some time. Maybe Kanye still got to do these records with Todd Dolla Sign. Right, the flow with Travis Scott to get it out of his system for us to really see if he really wants to go this route. He hasn't Problem drawn a line he, in the sand yet, D flow. He hasn't. I don't think it's that. I just think we're he's not a gospel artist. Kanye West is still a pop artist. And okay. At the end of the day, as long as he's gonna make popular music, there's always gonna be that silver line. I think he's trying to find a way to bridge both of the two, but it's not an actual possibility. So at the end of the day, if he's going to do Christian and gospel rap, you see that he sticks straight in that route, but you can't be a gospel artist doing pop music. It, right. It just doesn't, the two doesn't, they don't work. And I think he's trying to find a way to bridge that, but it's easier said than done because one side is always going to have a contradictory thing to say, to say about the other. So, hey man. Kudos to Kanye West. He's still heavily influenced by pop culture. Mm -hmm. There's not that much you can do about that. So for me, I would never consider Kanye West a gospel artist. He's always going to be a pop artist with gospel influences. And that's how I'm going to just look at him at that point of view right now. But right for now, me, he's still a pop artist. Right now, to me, Kanye is um, a Christian artist because Kanye is choosing not to curse in any of his music. And the general theme of his music for since he's dropped Jesus is King has been particularly about bringing people closer to the church and bringing people back to not just God. Let's be specific about the way um, the, 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 the way, the truth and the light, Jesus Christ. That that's what that's what his message has been for the last year and change. And I don't think that's changing anytime soon. I think it's staying right there. No matter who he works with, I don't think Kanye is going yeah. back. I don't think he's going back. I don't. I don't know. If you want to consider a real pop gospel artist, you're going to look at someone like Lecrae, who does hip hop, and his shit is still heavily gospel. It you is. Know, you can't deny the fact that he's a gospel artist. He doesn't really make secular music. So if you want to compare those two artists right there, if Kanye West is supposed to be a gospel hip hop artist. Then Lecrae is a really good reference as to the road he should follow, and he's not following that. So, hey, man, 
kudos to Kanye. Keep doing what you do, man. You know, not best in of politics, to you. Just you know, it's a dub for that. I mean, listen, if if he if he yeah, I don't even want to encourage that. So do what you, if that's how he wants to spend his money and waste his money. He's want to run as an independent. Then hey, man, that's that's your choice. That's your money. You do what you think is best, but. Just know that if you don't get the support system, don't come out here talking about black people don't support you. No, you know that's coming. No, that's about um, to come any day now. And this final topic, uh, distinguish. you want to run us into this? Yeah, so RIP to, um, I'm sure we've all heard it and seen it by now, Vanessa um, Gillian. Um, she was in the army and she was murdered um, where... Her remains were found um, in Bell County, which is in Texas, which is not too far from her army base, which is called Fort Hood Army Base. Um, her birthday, September uh, 30th, uh, 1999. She was only 20 years old. She was last seen on Wednesday, April 22nd, 2020. Um, when a whole entire month went by, uh, this, um, this coalition that's on Instagram called Finding Vanessa Gillian was created. Also, a video went viral with her sister. I don't know if you, we've, we've seen that, like a 14-minute video of her sister just going in on the entire administration of the military and how, like, how far they're willing to go to cover up shit that actually happens, which Vanessa Gillian is not the first. Unfortunately, she will not be the last. And this is and this does this doesn't just mean Vanessa Gillian was targeted and you know she was killed. No, men are also targeted and killed on military bases as well. But in terms of women, um, the 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 way that they do these women who who choose to serve the country is real fucking crazy. So um, I didn't write his name here, um, but uh, the man that took his own life as the FBI was uh, was closing in on trying to figure out who killed her. Um, he was a specialist in the army. His name was Aaron David Robinson. And this man um, was somebody who was her superior. So she had to answer to him. Um, there was an incident that I was, that I was reading because a, a lot of her story is um, being told on the Instagram page. So what I was reading a few nights ago was she was taking a shower one night and the specialist was in the shower, y'all, watching her take a shower. I heard there was a sexual assault that happened. Yeah. Um, and she was very confused as to why he would do that. And there was also another incident where, so this is the incident that actually uh, led up to her death where, um, she said to her parents, um, during the month of April, this man, like he's sexually harassing me and, um, I need help. And around the month that she said that in April, um, an incident happened, I guess, inside of a place where, like, they have to use, like, heavy artillery, uh, artillery and, and tools. He, um, the word is belunge that I, that, that I, that I read in, um, in the... Bludgeoned. Yeah, yeah. Blood. With the fucking hammer. A hammer, son. And I had to read the definition of that word. And I was like, God damn. Basically, the nigga killed her. And, um, the, the crazy part about this whole thing is supposedly somebody that he was dating in the military, she helped dismember the body parts. And they just found the body parts on July 1st. They just found it. She's been missing since April, y'all. God fucking damn. I think another wild thing is a, another lieutenant or sergeant. I can't remember her, her status. You're talking about the white lady. That, yeah, I, f- I forgot her name. Yeah. She said that 
sexual harassment is the or sexual assault is the price you pay if you want to get in the good old boys club. That shit was wild. And, that was on Facebook, she, Flo. That was wild. And and that she deserved it. She deserved whatever she got. That shit was crazy to read. Unbelievable, um, terrible situation. Uh, black people, black women in particular, aren't even safe trying to protect their country. So, I don't know. I really, I'm at a loss of words. This this whole scenario is just extremely disturbing from head to toe. So I don't have much to say on it. Um, R.I.P. I hope justice is served in whatever capacity um, it may. There may be left for it to be served. If right. This person took their life. Yeah, yeah. The, um, um, the the guy took his life. So what they're doing now is the coalition um, is trying to sue the military. Well, not sue the military. They're trying to shut the whole base down. They want the entire base to be shut down because they feel like so on the same base. Nine months before the disappearance of Vanessa Gillian, a young man also disappeared, and they still have yet to find his body. Nine months. So I'm just yeah. like, something's going on with that entire base. Some wild shit happening there. Um, and the 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 thing that I've been seeing on um on Facebook mainly has been a lot of women saying they have a lot of friends in the military. They've never heard any stories like this, and now the women are saying. Is there something else that my friends who serve are going through that because they fear for their life, like Vanessa Gillian, they're not saying it? And now, for like people that have friends that are now saying they feel like everybody that they personally know in the military is hiding secrets for the military because they don't want to end up like, i.e., Vanessa Gillian and other and, and so many other women prior to her. What's your guys' take on that? Cause this is that's definitely this is similar to what we were talking about last week with Drew Dixon protecting hip hop. It's the same shit. I mean, that's definitely a, a untold truth about the military, especially when it comes to women. Unfortunately, is a lot of women on military bases go through sexual assault, mm. sexual harassment, uh, rape, um, and these incidents are either swept under the rug. Mm-hmm. They are made to work with their abusers. Or um, you just don't hear about it in general. Even if somebody is reprimanded, right. them, they might get transferred or they might get um, discharged. But it's not like they get a record from it or they or that they that information is like public because, you know, the military works under its own jurisdiction of law. Yes, they do. Um, so it's one of those unspoken truths that everybody kind of knows that the military and relations with women being in the military is very very tricky very sticky and very unfortunate there's a lot of women that that state that they deal with some form of harassment within the military this is my take on it i don't know if this is gonna get me canceled or niggas looking at me crazy but we just gotta call it what it is this happened to this young lady because the guy or whoever's responsible for her death wanted her in a way that if she would have just allowed him to get away with what he wanted to get away with, she probably would have still been alive. But because she rejected his advancements time and time again, he was like, fuck that. I'm going to be okay. Even if we got to hide your body parts, I'm going to be okay for another two, three months. But he's a coward 
Because if he really felt like, or if he knows in his heart he didn't do anything, he would have never killed himself. But because he killed himself, he was like, fuck that. I can't face what I really did. So I need to off myself. And there is a woman in custody right now who has been suspected of helping him dismember her body parts. And they, and they suspect that woman being his girlfriend. Um, he wanted his control with this woman. I don't know if you guys actually looked at her. Vanessa Gillian was a beautiful woman. 19 years old, she was beautiful. Beautiful woman from the way that they were talking about her online. She had a lot going for herself and she really wanted to serve her country. Um, she was really progressive and she was doing a lot of dope ass shit on that base that was helping not just the military, but um, her platoon that she was a part of. For her to um, have died the way she did um, definitely is an outrage. It's an it's a outcry in the community. And watching the clips really fucked me up because I, like, to me, I kind of see why when people disappear, whether it's on a military, whether it's, like, you know, local, you know, whether, you know, a young black man or black woman gets killed or raped in their community, I see why coalitions is made. Because the injustice, you can't just leave this to the people that run our streets and you can't just leave this to our politicians. The people have to mobilize and get together and be like, yo, enough is enough, son. We can't keep sitting by watching this shit happen and not do nothing about it. Because this shit is crazy. And to think every fucking time when this shit happens, we have to fucking cover this shit on the podcast. Yo, this shit is draining, son. This shit is draining. One day, That's God forbid, God, God, God forbid, we may have to cover a story from somebody in the military that we know. That's going to be heartbreaking, y'all. That's going to be heartbreaking. I don't know if I'm be able I mean, to, I don't, I don't know if I'm be able to do that. Hopefully, I mean, hopefully with all that's going on, we are in the process of dismantling all of the systems that allow for these things to happen and make it so that it can continue to happen. We need more accountability. This is what women are speaking about when they say that there's a patriarchy and that there are systems in place, not just uh, sexist men, but systems in place that oppress them and hold them down where why would you want to join the military is a good job it pays really well mm -hmm. for a lot of different people but why would you want to then join the military if you know that part of that process is you may have to deal with sexual harassment and you won't get backed up if if you report it to somebody or if you bring it to anybody's attention so now that becomes a job that you're less inclined to want to be part of which means you are you now don't have access to that resource, which is a form of oppression. It's that simple. So it's like when you're faced with those type of things, you end up realizing that the system that we are in, in many different levels, same thing with Miss Dixon last week. If you want to be in the music industry, but you have to tell yourself, well, to be in this industry, I might have to deal with... Uh, you know, doing a sexual act that I don't want to do for somebody just to propel my career. For some people, that's going to deter them from wanting to do that. That's something a man doesn't have to think about. I know that there's men that, you know, there's stories about having to do sexual acts too. But generally, that's not something me, you, or Flo thinks about when when we pursue going into a music the music business. I've never thought about that uh, a day in my life. Further. I've never thought about that a you day know? in my life, and I don't think I ever will. 
No, it's not something that's prevalent on the top of our minds, but best believe almost every female singer I've come across has said that videographers have hit on them trying to get something to happen um, in lieu of a project. Like, oh, I'll do the video for you, but let me take you on a date. Or you got, you have artists who deal with producers or, or people who make beats and they'll give the beat for free, but you got to do this for me. And like, those are things that we're not really, we don't really have to face. I'm sure there's other ways that we get breaks uh, presented to us, but not in the sense of, yo, my man, I need you to suck my dick and I'll give you this beat for free. Right. None of us have to wake up and think about that. No. And no. It, it's not, it's not to be funny with it, but in that instance, that's another barrier, right? Because if you're really interested in just doing music and every time, and it is, music is a male-dominated industry, and every time you want to get something done musically, you have some dude that you're not interested in, not attracted to, trying to force themselves on you or force their will on you in order for you to get to the next level in your career, that's going to become draining. And at some point, you're going to be like, yo, fuck this music shit. Same thing with this situation. You're going to have young women now looking at the armed forces and being like, there's no way that I'm going to force myself into an industry where I have to deal with being sexually harassed on a daily or potentially raped or whatever, and I don't feel protected. So we may lose some really great minds, female minds, because they're not going to want to fuck with that shit. Oh, man. The tough knot, man. The the tough knot is... um. I just hope and pray that uh, more of us are holding each other accountable for anything that we do to not only women or say to women, but to anybody in any race or any group of people that are already in an oppressed environment that people who say that they are not for that are correcting people who actually are trying to so um, oppress those people more. Um, I've said it already on this podcast. There has been many things that Distinguish has said that either X has checked me for on the actual show or in private. The same thing with D flow on the actual show or in private. And I've been trying to lead by example and changing a lot of how I present information and how I bring information to the forefront. And you know what I'm choosing to say right then and there, instead of saying to myself, damn, this will be great right now if I say a funny-ass moment. Um, so I've been trying to switch up how I've been doing that. So I just hope that more people that listen to the show and more people that know and are very aware of the, the oppressed groups or the oppressive language that we're constantly perpetuating to these groups, whether we're speaking to these groups or not, we are holding ourselves accountable for what we say and what we're doing, and we have... You know, hopefully you guys have friends like my friends on the podcast, D-Flow and XAB, that are holding you accountable as well. And that is my tough knot. What would dad say? Dad would say, be open to criticism. I'm going to I'm gonna piggyback off of what Distinguish was, uh, just said and open the door to, and that's be open to criticism. Sometimes you you need that. I had a friend earlier this week, and I know why he said it, and it was interesting. But he was like, yo, don't get mad, but can I help you with your social media? And I know I, I know that for some people I'm I can be uh my like 
daunting. If you don't, if you're not in my close circle and you don't realize that, oh, if if X responds this type of way, he's not really upset. He's just trying to process whatever. Like if you're not in that immediate circle, I can understand why certain people was like, yo, X is kind of like I don't want to say the wrong thing to X because it, it could end bad. But um, when he said that, it was interesting to me because he he wanted to offer some helpful information and the advice that he was given was sound. So I I was like, I tried to be as like, I tried not to sound any type of way when he opened up that door. So I kind of left a blanketed response for him to feel comfortable to bring whatever he wanted to bring to the forefront. But that's important. You want people to be able to bring criticisms to you and, and be able to acknowledge them because none of us are perfect. And sometimes we think we're doing something right and we're doing it wrong. And someone who has more experience may be able to help correct that. And that's okay. And there's no issue with that. So um, that that's one. And then for the people who do criticize and or, or have some things to bring to the constructive criticism and bring to the table, just mind how you present the conversation. As we spoke about with cancel culture, it does not help if you berate anybody. When you berate people, it just automatically shuts the door down. You got to open up a dialogue and a conversation because if you open up a dialogue, then you have more of a chance of hearing out where that person's coming from, why they may feel that things might work. And that gives you more of an opportunity for you to internalize and understand, oh, shit, yeah, I could use this or I could change this. So that's what dad would say. This has been another episode of Dad Has a Bow Ties. Y'all niggas got three hours this week.